0: Welcome back, everybody, into Bill's chat on the built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. This is Josh. with me tonight, as always. is Luca. Luca, how's it going?:
1: Um, different feeling into this episode. Not a bad feeling personally, but I know we got a lot to talk about and um, still wrapping the head around a certain things. So uh, enough about me, and I think we should just jump right into it.
0: Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a week. How are we doing, Bills fans? It's, it's, been, it's been an experience, and I feel like we all kind of learned a lot this week about ourselves, about this team, about just how we feel about certain things. This has been a wild ride, and we're going to get into it. And um, So what I want to say, first of all, I think by now everybody that's listening is well aware of the Matariza situation. Um, we are not going to spend the entire episode on this. What we are going to do is we are going to dedicate the first 10 minutes of the episode to talking about the situation, and then we are going to move on. So what I would say to you is if you are not in a position where you want to hear these details that are going to be somewhat graphic, um, if you have kids in the car or if you just are making the choice for yourself that you do not have the appetite to listen to this conversation, Luca and I fully respect that. And we absolutely empathize with that decision. What I will tell you, what we will tell you is please just skip ahead 10 minutes. Once we get past this conversation, we will not bring it up again tonight and we will get back to football conversations. And we do have a very fun exercise we're going to do tonight where we do go through the entire Bills schedule and we tell you how we think the Bills are going to finish. So, um the Matterizer conversation I'm respecting the fact that some of you are probably driving right now. I don't want you rushing for your phone if you have kiddos in the back of the car so I'm just killing about 30 30 minutes to a minute here or 30 seconds to a minute here to give you time to do what you got to do. Um the Matterizer conversation here is going to start in about 30 seconds. We're going to get into it. We're going to get out of it. Skip ahead 10 minutes if that is what you desire and uh we will be on the other side of that with a Bills centric football conversation. All right, Luca, let's get into it. The Buffalo Bills former punter now, Matt Ariza, let's just say right now he has been released from the team as of Saturday, um, was the subject of a. This I I can't even believe I'm saying these words. Matt Ariza has a civil case with allegations of gang rape against a 17-year-old female. Um, Matt Ariza was released by the Bills on... Saturday, as I mentioned, and this story broke on Thursday afternoon. The Bills did play a preseason game on Friday, and Matt Ariza was inactive for that game. Okay, that's the high-level conversation. Um, Luca, I have some things I want to say about this, but I'm going to kick it back to you. Just quickly, any thoughts so far on Matt Ariza? Anything you want to get off your chest regarding this situation with the Bills and Ariza?
1: Um, so we've obviously listened to a lot of other people talk about this and I know off air we, I, you know, mentioned how did you listen to the Eisen show when they discussed this situation or whatever it may be. And there was a common th- theme that kind of went with everyone and it kind of, it, it reflects also how I felt and Eisen kind of reaches there a little bit more because Rich Eisen was doing something that I know both of us had done and at least I know you would kick it over to me all the time for conversation about Matariza because the hype and excitement for him to play in the league was there and, and and I I was fully part of the his nickname and embracing it and wanting him to be the weapon that it seemed to be um and it still is tough to wrap my head around uh being a fan and really supporting an individual who could find themselves in a life situation now where they are kind of being dragged through the mud for reason that is understandable due to the allegations in front of them and it's it's a lot it's i i it's as you can even hear, I'm stumbling through my words on this because I just don't even know how to process everything at this point. It's, it's sickening everything that's been put in front of us, the allegations and all of that nature, the facts it's, it's very, very difficult. It's not even. So for me personally, I don't have a daughter. I don't, you know, I have an older sister, stuff of that nature, but it's not even about that. It's just the fact of what you had said. And I can't even say the words to be honest, Yeah, what he's being accused of. And some of the graphic details that were brought to us and brought to the attention of us through the L.A. Times piece or just the actual filing of the case. Uh, it was a lot. So um, it, it, it didn't matter that I don't have a daughter and stuff like that, because I saw people saying that thing. You know, you don't understand until then or you can't understand the severity. It's like it's not even that. It's just as a human being. It's a human being problem. It's as a human. I can't even fathom. Mm-hmm. Being in any sort of predicament or being friends with someone in a predicament or being associated with someone in such a case where they are being accused of such a thing. And it's it's wild to me that I, I can't even comprehend being a fan or was a fan of an individual that now has to be off of the team, completely out of the NFL at this point in time and deal with this civil case in front of them. And who knows where it's going? Um I that's kind of really all I want to say on it. it it's just a lot. Um it, it was it was pretty mind blowing when I learned about it. I'll I'll put it this way. This is kind of how I still haven't even went my head around it. I was at such a high. I was getting ready to skate and play some hockey on Thursday. And it came out I at least when I saw it was Thursday nighttime. And um I was legitimately minutes away from going on the ice and I was feeling good. I was with my buddy Butler. You know, we're we're getting all hyped up. And all of a sudden Butler told me he goes, Dude, look at your phone. Look what Joel posted in our group chat. And I go and look and I saw that tweet. And I just like had, ha- had like sit there and I'm like, What am I reading right now? I, I don't even understand. And it kind of like I couldn't even skate half the time because and it wasn't because of that particular thing. It just it knocked my mind out of its own body. Like I just couldn't I couldn't think about a lot of things. It's not like I was thinking about that. It just completely killed all energy in my body. And i still feel that way because I just don't even know how to comprehend everything going on. It's just, I feel horrible for the victim. I feel horrible for the situation going on. It's crazy to understand that these things happen in this world. I cannot fathom just being anywhere associated with anyone that would even be on either side of that. That sucks. You know, like not matterize obviously the victim side of that. It, it sounds horrible. Um, but I just, I, that's all I can say. And I, I just, I cannot believe everything that's going on with all of this situation. It's a lot. It's very, very heavy. It's a heavy situation.
0: It is heavy. And, um, everything you said about us pumping him up, I feel that because there's this guilt we have of, you know, you know, we have the audience we have, but you know, it, every time he made a kick, we were like, Oh, the punt god. let's stop our show and talk about the punt god, And you just, you feel so bad, but it wasn't anything that you knew. So let's just have a quick conversation. The, the situation is a legal matter. The legal situation will play itself out. And I will just say that for everybody involved, my, my hope, my wish is that whatever happened on that night, the truth will come out and, and then everybody that's involved in that situation will get what they deserve out of that situation. I hope the best. And for that victim who's 17, the accuser, um, it's just hard not to have her on your mind at this time. When you read those details, we're not going to go into those details on this show. Um, I I feel like, you know, that that's readily available on the internet. What I do want to talk about though, Luca is there was a period of time from when it dropped on Thursday. And then the bills played a game on Friday and they did not release him until Saturday. So they, they played the game. Matariza was not active for the game. We will talk all about the game you know, in a little bit. Um, and Matt Barkley punted, we'll get into that. Uh, McDermott had a press conference Friday and it looked like he had seen a ghost. It looked like, you know, he, he understood the gravity of the situation, but um, they, they weren't prepared to make a move at that point in time. And then the bills had practice on Saturday afternoon. And, you know, I, I think you guys know the timeline, the bills had a press conference after practice that got delayed by multiple hours. And then eventually got moved to the field house and it was being in McDermott. And at that point you knew something big was coming, but there's basically a 48 hour stretch from the time that news came down about Matt Ariza until the time that Schefter tweeted that the bills were going to release him. And that 48 hours man was uncomfortable because, you know, it's certainly no blame on the bill's social media team. Like they, they are not at all in the situation, but there was just nothing coming from the team until McDermott spoke after the game on Friday. And as a fan, you just, you, you want to hear something. And there was a statement that came out and the statement was was lacking. I think we all understand that. Um, I'm not even going to read the statement. It was, it was very generic. Um, you know, like we're investigating the situation. We've investigated the situation, yada, yada, yada. You, you've seen these copied and pasted. 10 times over if you're a sports fan and when situations like this come up. But what I will say is during that time, the conversation, and, you know, we're active on Twitter. We, we engage a lot with, uh, Bill's fans. We, that's one thing we really love about this. The conversation on Twitter was, you know, one side was like, oh, you have to cut him. You have to cut him. And then the other side was people coming in saying, well, he's innocent until proven guilty. You, you can't do anything with him until, in, until, Um, the legal process plays out. And I just got to say something about innocent until proven guilty. Innocent until proven guilty is what keeps him out of jail until he's proven guilty. That is a legal thing. Innocent until proven guilty has nothing to do with your right to be on a professional football team and to have that professional football team associated with this case that is going on and having their head coach and players from the team answering questions for 30 minutes at a time about something that they had nothing to do with at that night and whether they had knowledge of it, who knows? I do not know as far as like McDermott and Bean goes when that happened. We don't, we don't know that story, but the bills deciding to release him is nothing about innocent until proven guilty. It's about them making the choice, the right choice to get that distraction out of their locker room and let me say something else about the people that, that come up and say innocent until proven guilty because, you know, everybody's offended. Lucas said it great. You don't have to have a daughter. You don't have to have a wife. You don't have, you know, you don't have to have a female that's in like your, your super close circle to feel this. I do have a daughter. I do have a wife. The closest people, I had a son that was born last year, but like up until that point, the most important people in my life were women. That doesn't that doesn't make me any more qualified to feel offended by this than Luca. I'm sorry if my voice sounds like I'm raising it. It's you know, it's a tough thing, but you have to empathize with female sports fans. They have had, especially when it comes to the NFL, a really hard year. You had a player who had 30 accusers of sexual misconduct, Deshaun Watson, have a team after this was public knowledge. Trade three first round picks for him and make him the highest paid player in the sport. And this is a league that talks about empowering women. And this is a league that talks about equality. And for women who we know, if you just just listen to some of the the, the women, the females in in Bill's Mafia, the Bill's Mafia Babes, who are basically, and for those that don't know, Bill's Mafia Babes is a group. It's not, I'm not, I'm not saying Bill's Mafia Babes. It's a group, Bill's Mafia Babes. Follow them on Twitter. They're fantastic. They are like the face of Bills fans. And it started as a Facebook group for for females to go talk about sports because they didn't want to be judged for being sports fans. Like that's what their president has said about the group. And it is just, it is multiplied and snowballed into this great thing. And they're always right there whenever something happens to be the first to jumpstart a charity, I think they were the ones that maybe got the ball rolling on the Dawson Knox situation. I, I'm not positive. That's that's neither here nor there. But when you, when you see this happen and you see guys like Joe Mixon and Kareem Hunt just continue to play in this league, when there's video of them out there attacking females, they just aren't feeling heard. They aren't feeling seen. And for guys to just jump in and say, innocent until proven guilty, and you can't We just need to step back and understand that we don't know what they're feeling when they see something like this and empathize with the women out there that this is more personal to them even than it is to us. As sick as we are, as sick as I am, as sick as Luca is, it's even more personal to the women who I think, I don't want to speak for them, but you you just listen to them enough. They don't feel heard in the sports world enough and it's not cool. And the Deshaun Watson thing was bad enough, but this was our team. This was the Buffalo Bills. This was coming down with our, and it was the Buffalo Bills being silent for 48 hours. The Buffalo Bills, who have one of four female owners in the NFL, they were one of the first teams in the NFL to hire a female coach on their staff. We already talked about the fact that Bills Mafia babes are like the face of the fan base. And this was our team that all of a sudden was front and center and the face of a situation where something was allegedly really wrong against a woman. And the team was silent because winning was more important than doing the right thing. Obviously two days later, the bills cut him, but that was a really uncomfortable period in that 48 hours where nothing happened. And my heart broke for everybody that was hurt by it. And I empathize with every female I interacted with on Twitter that I saw out there. Like there was some real pain out there. And I think in situations like that, you know, you, you really want to get your opinion out there. Like you feel something you want to type. Sometimes guys, I'm talking to you. Like the best thing we can do in these situations is listen and just, you have two ears and one mouth. And sometimes it's best to use the two ears and not just rush out there and have an opinion because it's personal to a lot of people. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they've been through. And this was, this was a bad thing, but the bills got rid of Matariza. Luca. I don't really have much else to say on this. Oh, you know what I do i the lawyer the lawyer's in this situation the lawyer for the the uh, the victim, and this one's going to be tough. you know, Luca, we were talking off air and and you were you know you were telling me that you have a friend who's in law, and you know some of the some of the public stuff he does isn't necessarily like this isn't unique a lot of times in civil cases with a public figure that this is you know some of a normal practice. Posting private journal entries from a girl who, you know, allegedly, I don't know what the right word is, was raped by multiple men, went to the police, went to the university and felt like she wasn't heard and she had to get this out. So her only outlet was writing it in a journal, posting that on Twitter, the cesspool that's Twitter for every Tom, Dick and Harry that has a keyboard and an opinion to write about is disgusting. What are we doing? I don't care about the case at that point. Are you advocating for this girl or not? I can't wrap my head around any legal reason why that was a good idea to do. It, it, who's the important person here? Is it the lawyer or is it the victim? How does that benefit her one bit to have those words put out for the world to see? Let it happen in the courtroom. I need a, I need a minute, Luca. Um, anything else you want to say on this?
1: No, um it's a lot. I I understand, you know, it, it's it's a lot. I mean, and we we told, you know, people to skip forward for a reason, you know, if if they have anyone that they don't feel comfortable in the car or whatever it is and there's a reason for that. Um the one thing I'll just add on top of it is it's it's something I, you know, it's going to be there, but at the same time I look forward to getting past and hopefully looking forward rather than having to hear about this anymore. Um, I'm glad that it, it didn't happen soon enough, but I'm glad that the right thing was eventually done. Um, but it's, it's, I said it when I wrapped up last and it's again, it's, it's heavy. It's, it's a very heavy, real thing that is just, it's hard for me to kind of wrap my head around all of it again, real quick. And I'm just kind of giving you a minute here. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's. I look forward to getting beyond this and and, and and I reciprocate everything that you said. I think everything you said about you know the female fan base and like the the Bills Mafia babes, Twitter and social media presence and them being one of the major faces in our fan base, um, it, it's it, you definitely feel for them in those times when they have to deal with the jackasses on Twitter who kind of are kind of either just instigating or trolling them for fun or really do feel like they need to say what they need to say seeing that kind of stuff about a serious life matter, about a serious thing. It, you know, there's, there are times to troll if you, that's kind of what gets you off. That was not one. That was not one place to kind of pick your spot and go at people. <laughs> Ridiculous to do it. Um, but yeah, I look forward to hopefully having this kind of get be, you know, we get ahead of it. Everything's behind us. We can move forward. Hopefully positive things happen. Hopefully, um, Everyone, as you wrapped it all up, I'm not even going to get into that stuff. It's just football wise, hopefully, the Bills and everything with the Bills, they did the right thing now. He's no longer on this roster, and we can move forward as an organization in a positive direction, and the right thing can happen continuously forward. And maybe this is a, le- a lesson for them where whatever due process and investigation and thorough, you know, whatever you want to call it, whatever is thorough to them is not thorough enough, clearly and they just need to get better at it. And that this never happens again. That's, that's kind of all I have to say on it. And, you know, I think from there we can kind of move on because there's just, it's beating a dead horse at this point. And it's, you know, we, we, it's, it's a lot, I feel for everyone in the situation going on right now, victim wise and whatnot. And it's like, I, it just, it's so heavy to the point where I don't know how much more I can talk about it at this point or deal with it. It's, I'm not trying to be selfish in any way. It's just, it's so much here that i kind of just we i think as a fan base we all need to look forward to the good things that'll come because now this situation's finally behind you know behind us and we don't need to hear about that individual anymore on this team or anything going on with him because he's not here anymore and that's good
0: yeah and i probably should we should have broken up that little rant there because i went from Venting about the situation to the lawyer. And I just felt myself getting so angry. And I was, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth next. So, Luca, take it. All right. If you were one of the folks out there that we appreciate listening, obviously, that took us up on our offer to skip ahead about 10 minutes, you have now entered the zone where we will no longer mention the Bills' former punter. The rest of this show will be all about Buffalo Bills football, NFL football. And then, of course, we are going to spin it forward and we are going to talk about what this season is going to look like. We are, what, what is it now, Luca? We're 11 days away as of mon- Monday. I'm not very good at math, but this Rams game is coming up quickly um, to piggyback off of. Um, well, not to piggyback, but one topic of conversation that is going to come up, Luca, though, is the Bills do now have an opening at Punter. And we do know that it was reported that they they had several guys brought in for workouts today. Um, Michael Pallardy, Tyler Newsom, Ty Long and Joseph Charlton. Uh, Draft Diamonds on Twitter did confirm, and I think Mike Garofalo also confirmed this, that none of those guys were signed to a contract. If you look at the NFL calendar, uh, the 53-man roster cuts are going to be done on August 31st, which is Tuesday. So what I think that the Bills might be doing is they might be eyeing a couple of veteran punters that are out there that are, are currently in the middle of a battle. Two names that really come to mind to me are Brett Kern with the Titans and Kevin Huber with the Bengals. Um, they're currently competing with Ryan Stonehouse on the Titans and Drew Chrisman of the Bengals. So, what that means is, whoever loses that battle will obviously enter free agency. So, in the case of Ryan Stonehouse and Drew Chrisman, who are who are rookies or second year players, I think think Ryan Stonehouse is for sure a rookie, and I think Chrisman's a first year or second year player. I haven't done a whole lot of research on punters. Um, the way the CBA works is if you're within the first four years of your career and you're released on cutdown day, you have to go through waivers. If you're a vested veteran, um, Greg Thompson had this on Twitter, by the way, of cover one. If you're a vested veteran like Kern and Huber, you get released and you can just pick your next team. There's no waiver process. So if you're a bills fan, you might want to be rooting for the young guys in those situations to win those jobs. And then a player like Brett Kern, who by the way is a Western New York native um, or Kevin Huber, who, One of his strengths is he's an excellent holder for Evan McPherson, who had a great season last year. Uh, Both of those guys would make a lot of sense. Luca, do you have um, a particular punter that you you think is a good idea for the Bills? To me, I think given the fact that their season starts on Thursday, that you you have a situation with Tyler Bass where he's going to have to get comfortable with the guy that's holding, I think if they can get their hands on a veteran like Kern or Huber, For somebody that needs to be ramped up quickly to get into the system, up system, I mean, it's punting and holding, but I think a veteran makes a lot of sense for this spot.
1: So how do I start this? Um, I I don't even know how to say this. I don't really care about punters. (laughs) No, I think that's perfectly fine.
0: I think that's perfectly fine.
1: It's such a weird thing. So with the whole situation going on and now we need a punter, right? So, uh, for instance, one of my friends, he's like been on the, uh, what's his name? he's been on the shoom thing. He is all about him. He's like, he, right. I think he changed, I think he changed his Twitter handle or name, uh, visible name to the uh, shoom Stan account. Like he is like, he wants them. Right. And, and all these people out there on Twitter are wanting Kern or whatever it is. And all people have become obsessed with certain punters, always, right? Like, everywhere. Someone's got a punter that they have just attached to. And they're like, this is the guy I have completely just separated myself from this conversation. I am in the mindset of, I hope they just find whichever guy they feel is the best. I don't know. I don't care how that happens, whether it was someone that you just brought off the street and tried out, whether it was a guy you brought in that lost a competition like Kern or the Bengals guy that I'm totally slipping on right now. It, it, Kevin it Huber. Does, thank you, Huber. It doesn't matter to me. It's like, just do your due diligence, find the best guy, hopefully, you know, your tryout with him should probably be just like, Hey, Reed Ferguson's about to snap you a few balls. And then also you're going to take a couple holds here for Tyler bass. And just, you'll look how it looks. You ask Tyler how it feels when he's holding it. It does it look good to him, you know, whatever it may be. Right. It's, it doesn't have to be, you know, just him standing, put punting the ball. whatever it is, just have the two other people that he's going to have to interact with, interact with all of these guys and be like, how did they look? How do they feel? Do you like this guy? Because that's ultimately what matters, because you have two guys of the three that you know are going to be there, have been there, and you're comfortable with their opinions on it. So just find the best guy at the job, You know, whoever the best punter may be, who I do not care otherwise, though. They need to be happy with him, and he's got to be the best one for the job. You basically kind of rank those two things, and you come to the best player available, and you go with them. Is that going to probably come, you know, after the cuts? Most likely because you want to do a good job and make sure all options that are available are looked at. I think, you know, we saw that they brought in the certain guys that you mentioned. Uh, Someone mentioned that also uh, Marquette King was asked, is he in game shape? Stuff like that. Clearly, the bills are just sending out flyers be and evaluating it at all different levels. Cause Marquette King hasn't been in the NFL for a few years. He punted in the XFL for St. Louis, I believe if I looked that up correctly, and that was the last time he stepped on a football field and punted. So um, he was tweeting at the bills and stuff like that, but so was Brian Mormon. I don't think a 46 year old Brian Mormon is going to be punting for us anytime soon, or any NFL team or any football team for that matter. But um, yeah, I'm, the bills are going to do their due diligence. They're going to go out there. They're going to look at every available option, every Avenue, see who's good at their job, best at their job that is available. And then also I would hope they just ask, you know, Tyler Bass and Ferguson and be like, Hey, do you like this guy? Do you like what he does with what he's trying to do and accomplish? And then just move forward from there. That's all I care about. I don't need to latch my horse to any punter specifically. I like the local stuff like that's a cool connection when it's a position as meaningless as punning, you know, in all reality. It's like, cool, like, let's have a local guy get his shot on a team that he probably rooted for. You don't even know if he rooted for him, too. I would think he did, but you don't even know. What if like what if Kern didn't care about the bills because he didn't want to root for a team that sucked forever? Like, look, I'm just saying that because, hey, you watch your mouth.
0: There were some (laughs) nine and seven seasons mixed in there.
1: (laughs) There are people that I grew up with that are not Bills fans. And it's because they just didn't want to be lumped in with the mass others that were us that were rooting for our local team and just didn't want to deal with sucking every year. Like that is the reality of it. That's why they ended up being whatever team, uh, the fan of whatever team they are now. So um, that's yeah, that's that's all I got to say about this. To ch- yeah. To your question. No, I do not have a horse that I am you know going with on this ride here. I just hope they grab a guy who's good and is not as a disaster at holding, like Bjorkwes. Or, or, Jesus, Bjorkwes, Bjorquez, like, I can whatever. You know <laughs> not a you disaster mean. holding, and then is not as inconsistent as Matt Hawk. Maybe someone that we can at least rely to do their job in the minimalistic that they need to be do, at doing it. Because in all reality, I mean, we watched multiple games last season where we didn't need to punt. Um, that's unrealistic to think that that's going to repeat itself, but. This is a damn good offense. They're going to be probably punting as little amount as amount possible. That's why a guy like Marquette King, who has been punting forever, he's like, I'm ready to chase a ring on Twitter because he knows if he's on this team, he's got a damn good shot at it because he's not going to be punting a lot of balls.
0: Let's do an exercise real quick, people. You out there listening, you know the NFL pretty well. You're listening to an NFL podcast. Why don't you think outside of the bills of just in your mind, the five best teams in the NFL? Just the teams that you think are the five best teams and the teams that you think if the Bills play in the playoffs, you'd be most nervous about them playing. Once you come up with that list, tell me who the punter is on that team and how much the punter weighed into you making them the top five team, because the answer is zero. The Bills made it to the division round. And here we go. 13 seconds away from the conference title round with Matt Hawk as their punter last year. And he was very bad. He was a good holder uh, to clean up on that. Matt Hawk was released on, I want to uh, say Tuesday. He was released on Tuesday and claimed by the Colts on Wednesday or signed by the Colts on Wednesday. They had an inner injury with their punter. Um, Rigoberto Sanchez out for the year. Um, for those wondering, it sounds like Matt Hawk is going to be the Colts long-term punter. So that doesn't start long-term as far as this year. It doesn't sound like that's an option for the bills. I will say Luca I don't have any regrets over releasing Matt Hawk. Uh, I went into this offseason wanting to improve the Matt Hawk situation, whether that meant in the draft or spending money in free agency. i I'm not sad about the fact that they let Matt Hawk go. I'm fine with pulling another name out of the hat and seeing if they can do better.
1: The only thing I was upset about was it was a fellow Sun Devil losing their job <laughs> on a team I like, uh, but he found a job, and it's, there's another Sun Devil that still has a job in the NFL. And I'm okay with that. That's that's the extent of I care. Yeah, because I was with you. I mean, I wanted ultimately the bills to improve the position as well. It's not it wasn't high up on my list because, again, it's a punter. But um, yeah, it's it's not like I am. Oh, man, we missed out on cutting him and now he's going to have that job. It looks like an indie damn shame. It's like, no, it just sucks that there's not a Sun Devil on the bills. That's pretty much all I cared about with that.
0: And then Luca mentioned Jake shume He's a Buffalo native. He he has a bunch of fans on Twitter right now because he is posting workout videos. And there is no quicker way to get uh, sports fans to rally behind you than to show yourself working out. Because we all know athletes don't work out unless they post it on post a video on social media. Jake shume booming some balls and tagging the Bills and Bills fans are eating it up. Um, that's not going to happen. I I think uh, a guy that hasn't been in the NFL since 2016. Probably isn't on their radar, but it would be a cool story at the end of the day. I'm really, really close to Luca on this. Just pick a guy, go with it, feel good about it. If it's Brett Kern, great. Um, if it's Huber, great. Marquette King would be interesting because he was really good when he was in the league, but I, I fully trust being in McDermott to identify somebody to kick the ball and hold for Tyler Bass, and the Bills will be just fine in that regard. Just get a guy. All right, Luca, uh, we did have some other Bills news this week. We are going to get into before we... Uh, dive into our exercise tonight. Um, The Bills made a trade this week. They traded former second round pick from the 2018 draft class. Cody Ford was traded to the Arizona Cardinals for a 2023 fifth round pick. Um, You know, from the Bills standpoint, Cody Ford was actually having a really strong camp by his standards. There just was not a path to starting. And I want to say It was, I do not remember the insider that said this. One of the guys on Twitter, I think it was one of the national guys that said Cody Ford and his agent wanted a chance to start. And there was just no path to start in Buffalo when you look at Saffold and you look at Bates. And then when you look at the way the Bills stack up their depth, um, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have talked time and time again how they want guys in that position of depth to be able to play multiple positions. And Cody Ford is really locked in to just guard. And when you factor all of that in, you're talking about <clears throat> the Bills' ninth offensive lineman. Um, so it makes sense to go to Arizona, where at least for the first preseason game, he played one series with the starters for the Cardinals and was pulled. Uh, Luca, you're certainly more familiar with that team than I am. They, they are looking like they're trying to rebuild the old Oklahoma Sooners that Kyler Murray was there with, with Hollywood Brown, Cody Ford, and Kyler Murray. So um, it sounds like he has a chance to be a starter there, and for me, this isn't a Wyatt Teller situation. Wyatt Teller was one year in Buffalo and he was gone. He turned out to be a great player. If Cody Ford winds up being a great player for the Cardinals, good for him. He wasn't going to be a great player in Buffalo. He was going into year four and was competing for the ninth offensive lineman start spot. And Aaron Cromer, who we all love, didn't see him any more valuable than that. If he turns into be a something for the Cardinals, just be happy about it. Luca, what do you think about this fit?
1: Um, First and foremost, it's just a player that I have a lot of criticisms of that just will not get out of my life. Um, It is what it is. I will add he instantly he is a starter for the Cardinals. That is how bad their offensive line is. Cody Ford is probably their. I'm trying to think he's yeah, he's probably one of their best options at guard. That's pretty much what he is. He's he one of their two. He's got to be one of their two because it's a struggle bus over there for their entire offensive line. They have, they have their left tackle, I guess. I'm not trying to hate on uh, Humphreys over there, but um, he's not exactly someone that moves the ticker too much. Uh, Hudson came back out of retirement to play center for them. And that's pretty much it for the offensive line there. So, Think about it this Uh, we were talking about going into this Rams game and we're going to talk about that more going forward we're talking about there could have been maybe a chance where we would have to live in a world with Cody Ford being at guard trying to block Donald and that was scary to us well now he's in a division where he's got to do it twice a season that's if you're a Cardinals fan out there that's not exactly a great situation to be in but as a friend of mine Dylan said offensive line a lot of times as scheme just as much as it is skill and maybe that change of scenery and that change of scheme and everything like that. And the Cardinals fit him so much better. Who knows? I'm really hoping for that for my own personal sake and my own personal health and everything else um, that he can turn it around. I uh, but I'm with you. I want the general bills fan and I want general NFL fans to understand that uh, you said it spot on. This is not a Wyatt Teller situation. This isn't, Oh my God, we traded away what turned out to be a very good player. It's like, no, Clearly, it just was not working out here. Something needed to change. And if it does work out for Arizona, that's awesome. I'm rooting for it for my own personal interest on top of it. But I hope that everyone else is as well. You want to see players succeed, especially if it just wasn't working out at first. I feel like there's always that nice part where a change of scenery to a young player that had promise, if they can actually turn it around then, that's a really cool thing to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not like holding my breath on that. I'm not optimistic about it, but At the same time, he at least gets to go somewhere where I think he gets what he wants. Ultimately, I think he's going to get a starting opportunity. I think he's going to get a chance to really try to do something and be a guy in this league for the Cardinals. And like we talk about Josh Allen and how the offensive line may look better than it even is at times because Allen just is able to bail them out when they kind of have an off snap or whatever it is. Another guy that can do that in this league is Kyler Murray. He can make something out of nothing. So he cut Cody Ford has gotten all the opportunity he could possibly get when it comes to the quarterback position. He goes from Josh Allen to Kyler Murray. I mean, he at least he has a quarterback that the pocket doesn't need to be pristine every play. You know, he's in a situation now where he has another quarterback that will be comfortable getting out of the pocket, moving around to make a play happen. So wish him all the best. Um, hopefully he does succeed again for my own mental health. But uh overall, you know, it's it's good to give value for him uh from a bill's sake. Like it's a player that was really looking like it wasn't gonna work out. You got something out of it, fantastic, kind of clears up the issue you had when it comes to your depth line decisions, and we can move forward with it. And good luck to Cody Ford. Wish you all the best in the desert. Please, for my mental health, work out. That's all I got on that.
0: I was pretty floored that they got a fifth round pick for him. I really thought it was going to be something like a seventh round pick swap or something like that. Um, so I thought that was really good value. And right now I would say the ninth offensive lineman on the bills is a competition between Greg Van, Greg Van Roten and Bobby Hart. There is a Greg man's injury to keep an eye on. He was carted off at practice last week. So if he misses time heading into the regular season or finds himself on a pup list, maybe Van Roten and Hart make the roster. Luca, you talked about blocking for Josh Allen. Maybe Josh Allen was the problem because we all think he's great. But apparently, Luca, he's only the 13th best player in the entire league.
1: (laughs) Oh, as we know, he was 10 in uh, 2021. All of a sudden we find ourselves in 2022 and he lands in 13. Was it a troll? Was it whatever anyone wants to believe? Who knows? It's pretty shocking to me that he ended up regressing. Now. 10 to 13 is that much of a regression? No. It, I kind of want to look at this as kind of a neutral just put my neutral goggles on. I'm not a Bills fan, I'm not whatever. I'm just an NFL spectator. Going from 10 to 13 on an NFL top 100 list is not really a regression to me. Okay, my goggles are off. As a Bills fan, it's insulting. It really does like do these NFL players really think Josh Allen regressed in any form or matter because it's hard for me to see. And I know we talked about it and I know you're going to talk about this, so I'm not going to bring it up. But when the voting happens at that point in time, did players really think he was worse than he was the previous year? Because even then he had similar he had a similar year. I mean, statistically, I feel like it was pretty much neck and neck through, you know, maybe the team results weren't there as much as they were in 2020 as they were then in 2021, because obviously we're talking about voting into 2022. Um, but the play of Josh Allen for the most part, I don't think was at fault there. I think it was more of just other things that were happening off the top of my head. I'm kind of going at this, but it's, I am, I'm a little confused how he ended up at 13 I thought generally a consistency and just being that guy would ultimately propel you I do want to say and I know you're, you're going to expand on this so I'm going to wrap up on this people out there going how after watching the playoff run could he find himself here and I know again Josh is going to talk about when they vote and stuff there's a reason that that didn't probably go into him being higher. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that Allen really stepped up his game at a point where it probably did not get put into the conversation for this top 100. And I think people need to understand that there, there's probably a vast majority of Bill's mafia out there that don't really understand that and don't really understand how this process goes. I see people even reaching out to the NFL, like the NFL you know, headquarters makes the list. It's like, no, this is, this is voted on by his peers. This is a you know NFL players voted list. So, the NFL headquarters has no control over this. They just take the data of the votes, compile it, make the top 100. And there it is. Right. So um, I'll kick it back over to you because I know you're probably going to want to bring up that point. Cause it's your point. It's an excellent point. Yeah. And I think the people want to hear it. I, it's a great point, Josh. It's a great point. Well, I thing, think you should get off here.
0: The thing I can find is when I'm looking through pro football talk, when the voting happens, it sounds like it starts in November and continues into the off season. So depending on when these players turned in their ballot, they did not see playoff josh allen they could have been voting right after the the monday night game against new england um the other thing i will say is i think if you put yourself in the shoes of players um that are you know the majority of the league is is made up of players who aren't quarterbacks there's probably a little bit of a we're tired of quarterbacks getting credit for literally everything because the point I'm going to make about well, Josh Allen played his best ball like in December, in January, and some people may have already voted. Luca will, you know, he brought this up off the air, but I'll just, I'll just say it. It's like, okay, well, Derrick Henry was right ahead of Josh Allen. He, he played half the year, so what does that mean? Uh, Adam Shine of CBS Sports had a funny tweet. I'll read it to you. I try not to get worked up about rankings. Josh Allen being ranked as the thirteenth best player in the NFL is a pathetic joke, disgrace, and flat out embarrassing. Look, I'm not worked up about it. Um, actually, next week on the show, when, when we start having like a just a big picture like uh round table discussion we'll get into later, I do want to talk about things like NFL top 100 that maybe during the drought would have meant way more to us now uh, than than now when the team is actually good and has has bigger goals. One thing I will say, Luca, though, is, let me turn this into a positive. The bills are betting favorites, okay? like they can't play the underdog role anymore we talk all the time this team thrives on being doubted and now they might have pissed off QB1 like QB1 knows how good he is he he's got a quiet confidence about him but you better believe he thinks he's better than the 13th best player in the league and it's not like Josh Allen needs any extra motivation to go into this year but just that little bit of okay there's 12 better players in the league than me. Okay, I'll see you in January and let's see if you still feel that way. Maybe this is a positive, Luca.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely brings back to the, uh, here's a chip on your shoulder. Here's, here's you know, what do they call it? Bulletin board material. Here's Here's a reason to really think that you need to step your shit up or at least show the people what you are. Because, you know, as we know, I think you and I can at least agree here that Josh Allen... Thirteen is low, and probably even being fifth is low. I'll put it there. So he should be top four. We'll call it right. Juggle it around. Top four, and now you're sitting there, and he has to think that his peers, and he doesn't know who it is. His peers think he is the thirteenth best player, and he can just wear that every Sunday. That whoever he's playing against may have been the person that voted him as low as it they did to put him there, and that is probably going to be something. I think we've come to the conclusion at this point that Josh Allen is one of those guys that he takes things to heart. He takes things personally. He has that chip on his shoulder, as you love to say, and we all love to say. And this can just add it to the arsenal, add it to the bulletin board. He's going to post, you know, I'm, I don't think he's actually going to do this. He's going to post it in his locker and he's going to look at it every day and be like, I am better than 13 because he is. And he knows he is, as you said. Oh, it's – I'm 13, man. I do – I don't think – the people that think that was a troll, I'm still just – 13 seconds is in my head, and it just keeps spinning around there. I didn't even put
0: that together. I didn't put that together as 13.
1: We've been talking about this, this off-air and this and all that. The people on Twitter have been blowing up about it. Yeah, no. People that think that it's a troll – that's a stretch. Look.
0: No, <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're compiling a vote, like it, it would be so impossible to get him at 13 right. based on, you know. The
1: fact that he did land
0: on 13,
1: mm-hmm. let Josh Allen think it's a troll. Just let him think it's a troll. Let him think that it's the NFL went. oh, he actually was at 12. He wasn't above Derrick Henry, but we switched it because <laughs> 13 seconds. Let him think that. I don't care. That's beautiful. Give Josh Allen all the arsenal you can. To let QB1, let number 17 go out there every Sunday and it Well, Thursdays, Mondays, uh, everything, because we're on primetime, baby. Let him kick their ass week in, week out, because he knows he is hell of a lot better than 13.
0: Well, week one of the season, he'll take the field with against three players who are ranked ahead of him on this list. Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, and Jalen Ramsey. So... We'll see. We'll, we'll see if after that game, we all still think that Josh Allen was at best, the fourth best player on that field. I have a sneaky suspicion that maybe the uh, opinion will change. Will he, Would he have been rated higher had he said heads instead of tails? We will never, ever know. Oof. Uh, but yeah, I don't get too worked up about this kind of stuff. I think it's fun for what it is. The bills certainly get plenty of love when it comes to NFL recognition. And I mean, the fact that they had so many players on their team ranked in the top 100. So they had Hyde, they had Poyer, they had Von Miller, they had Diggs and Allen. I mean, twenty. They had five percent of the top one hundred. That's we've come a long way, people, from like being excited that Ruben Brown made the Pro Bowl as an alternate, as our only represent, re- representative, or Brian Mormon's the only guy we have in the Pro Bowl, and then he gets lit up by Sean Taylor because Bill Belichick is a troll and sends Brian Mormon on a fake punt to the hardest hitting safety in the league. It, it, it's a different existence now. It is what it is. I don't think Patrick, I just saw that Patrick Mahomes is number eight. I have got to see this list when we're done recording Luca there.
1: I, I yeah, no, they don't, uh, Aaron Rodgers is number three. Last I saw there, sorry, okay. we don't like to do this on air, but yeah, cup is four Ramsey's nine. So that basically says Aaron Donald is either one or two. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think who the other individual is at this point in time. But yeah. Uh, interesting. Would it Very, be, Tr-
0: would it be Trent Williams? Has he gotten? Oh, no, Trent
1: Williams was, tw- uh, was on the, 10 through 20 or 11 through 20. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I I can't remember the other individual is, but yeah, we digress. We we're we're (laughs) missing
0: somebody very obvious and we're probably going to be embarrassed about it. So let's move on. Um, The, the bills have to be down to 53 players by Tuesday. We will obviously keep our ear to the ground on that. And uh, we will know the answers by the next time we're on the air. Just some other Bills news. Isaiah McKenzie left practice early on Saturday with a leg injury. He did leave under his own power. And um, Buffalo News did say that just to their eye, it didn't look anything serious. But we did not get an update in the post-practice press conference with Bean and McDermott. Uh, We do not have an answer on Greg Mance. And the Bills, Luca played a preseason game on Friday night. And I will tell you, like, we are not going to spend much time on this game. I don't think much happened in this game. And I actually got a text during that game from a friend of mine named Brendan, who does listen to the podcast. Shout out to Brendan. Um, He texted me. He's a Bills fan, too. And he's like, so uh, most boring Bills game in the history of the franchise. And I got to tell you, I think it was. Luca, you know this about me. I pride myself on knowing random dumb facts about the bills. Like you could name any game for the bills from like 2002 to 2009. And I could instantly tell you five things about that game for no reason. This game happened this past Friday and I'm having a hard time. I mean, I have notes on it. We're going to talk about some stuff, but nothing about it stands out. It was just such a blur. Obviously there were bigger things going on that we've already gotten into, but The game itself just felt like such a, let's just get through this. We're not going to play anybody important. Let's just get to the regular season. Um, I will just say some of the high points from this game for me, I feel like one of the competitions that's still out there for a roster spot is Isaiah Hodgins against Jake Kumaro. And I think every turn so far this offseason, Isaiah Hodgins has made a strong case for himself to be on the 53. And I think he did some of that again on Friday night, making some some big catches to extend drives. You, you really see him using his, his size to box out cornerbacks. I still, I think if I was going to bet on it, I still think that Kumaro would get the edge just because we're talking about wide receiver six. And um, I had this stat I tweeted out earlier this week. The wide receiver six for the Bills last year caught a grand total of two passes. And uh, Jake Kumaro played 300 thereabouts special teams reps. So when you factor all that in, the bills are going to lean on special teams. If they think Hodgins has come far enough to, uh, to close the gap on Kumaro there, maybe it's a conversation. I would bet that it's Hodgins. The other thing that um, stuck out to me, that game is I know people were saying, OJ Howard played into the fourth quarter, which he did, but all three tight ends played into the fourth quarter. I I still have no idea what they're going to do there. I, I fully believe There's nothing that, as a football player, Tommy Sweeney offers that's really better than Quentin Morris. Quentin Morris is a better receiver. He's a fine enough blocker. He can play fullback. He plays four phase special teams. I know Tommy Sweeney's popular in the locker room, but that doesn't do you a lot of good on third and 10. And I would just rather see the Bills see what they have in Quentin Morris. He's an intriguing player. And with Dawson Knox going into the last year of his deal, we obviously, you know, we'll talk about that down the line. We hope that they can get something done there, but. Having Quentin Morris in the pipeline as a break glass in case of emergency isn't the worst thing in the world. So Luca, I don't think we learned anything about the offensive line. They had all the backups out there. And for the most part, they got manhandled by the Panthers, who we've said has a very underrated front. Um, Is there anything about this preseason game that really stood out to you as as noteworthy as far as um, ironing out this 53 man roster? I'm
1: going to confess something real quick um we talked about how i was going to make a great effort to watch games i did have this game on a tv let me first start with that i had this game on a tv i keep saying a tv because it wasn't one that i was really paying much attention to for the entire time now i was watching it early on and it was it, it i i I double down on what you just said, or I'm going to duplicate what you just said. What your friend said: most boring Bills game potentially of all time. I, if it wasn't for the fact that I was playing Call of Duty with uh, my fiance and my friends and everything like that, I probably would have fallen asleep instantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, it was a tough watch, and eventually it got to a point where, as you pointed out, there was other things going on. Is it's, you know, that's not where our minds were fully at. Anyways, I just gave up watching. It, by the time it hit this halftime, I don't I, I might have looked over there once or twice just to be like, hey, what's the situation like? You know, what are we doing? I watched a play here or there, but I wasn't even really watching much detail. I will say this every time. I, if weirdly enough, I was paying attention every time we were receiving a punt. I don't know why. And not once was I uncomfortable or was like, oh, let's use catching the punt this time. It was Khalil Shakir back there. And I was always comfortable. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is nice. I forgot what this felt like. We we don't have to worry about this. We're we're not gonna have return problems. That felt good. So I'll bring I'll bring that note up. Secondly, I will say, um, I did notice a couple like early on, because like I said, I was watching somewhat early. Uh the defensive back situation. Um, I I saw some stuff out there that I felt like people were maybe, I don't think anyone was like knocking them, but they kind of like maybe were implying that. It, it, the guys took a step back. I don't think they did. I thought they looked good once again. And it just kind of, when you take the whole body of work, all three preseason games and the minimalistic, we'll call it amount that I watched of this one, I did pay attention to Benford and Kyir, and they looked solid again. They looked like they were comfortable in the defense. They looked like they knew what their job was. And to me, that's just something that I'm going to point out because it's like, it was a big question mark, especially going on early into the season. And now we've had three preseason games where they have had a decent enough workload where you can kind of make an educated judgment on how they will be. And there might be growing pains when they have to play against ones consistently and everything like that, especially going to the Rams and against an offense that's McVay ran and whatnot. But it's a lot better than honestly I thought it was going to be prior to preseason games going like I I am in a much more comfortable and I say comfortable with a little bit of a timidness but I'm much more comfortable with where we are with a secondary and corner situation than what I thought I would be at this point prior to the first preseason game against the Colts and that's cool like that's awesome because we don't have our all pro corner and that is something that was terrifying just going into all of this and that I'm, I'm very, very happy that we have Dane, we have Kair, and we have uh, Benford. And those three bring a very comfortable feeling to me that at least they should be able to do a manageable job. They should be able to understand what their job is, and it won't be a complete train wreck, hopefully. Um, beyond that, though, yeah, I didn't really <laughs> watch too much more. Uh, I saw a lot of people just going out there. I will say, like, Black Shear stuff wasn't going away. Um, I will say this. I am big on the Quentin Morris, yes, kind of situation. Tommy Sweeney is useless. It's like, sorry. Hey, you're a locker room guy. Like they have that in hockey too, like where it's like, oh, you're the locker room guy or you're the door Mm -hmm. guy, right? If you're the door guy, you're probably getting about two minutes, maybe, of ice time, or you're getting the healthy scratch about 38 times a season. Like (laughs) you're not doing anything. It's cool to have, you know, in the games where you're probably just not really trying to get at it. But other than that, guess what? This is a Super Bowl contending team. We need reliable options back there. And Quentin Morris is clearly a much more reliable option to have in that position. So, um, yeah, I I will also add real quick before we kick it back over to you, because obviously I can't talk too, too much on the everything. I will say, and the other things I saw, um, I might be 50-50 on the Hodgins-Kumaro situation. I might not know what they're going to do at this point. It's, it's an interesting thing thing that you bring up and I I agree with everything you say like the wide receiver six two catches like we are heavy with what we do but again it's you want options and Hodgins I don't think was a massive liability in special teams and I really wonder if they're going to take the upside of if we need to go all the way down to Hodgins he's clearly shown that he is way more capable to play offensive snaps than Jake Kumaro and it's now it's a I feel like the question isn't about, you know, where do they get used? It's just, if we need to use them, can we rely on them to do whatever job we need them to do? And I think Hodgins has put enough tape out there to put some serious debate into that to the point of, I am pretty much a coin flip on that decision. And when I say that, I basically am saying it as I really don't know where their head is at. I think Hodgins has had a phenomenal preseason and Either way they go, I'm not going to be upset about it, but I imagine it's a very, very tough debate for them. So it's an interesting situation. Um, I don't think they can go wrong, I guess, is also another way to put that, maybe. Like, I don't think they can go wrong. I, I And that's a cool thing in a weird way. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting battle that we'll get an answer to in, I guess, when this releases uh, a couple of days. But, um, yeah, I mean... It, I don't really have much more to add on the preseason game. It uh, it came, it went, we didn't put any points on the board. Uh it was very boring. And um just excited that we got through an entire preseason with no blue chip, we'll call it, or just needed player hurt. And that is uh that's a success to me. That's a great success.
0: One other factor about Isaiah Hodgins that could factor into this decision. I just said factor twice in a row, go me. Um, is he is If he's, they view him as a wide receiver who could help them down the line. He is under contract on a very team affordable deal in 2023. His cap hit is just over 800,000. And then they have him as an exclusive rights free agent in 2024. So they have him for the next three seasons, including this year. And when you look at the fact that Jamison Crowder is on a one-year deal, um, they're going to have to figure out if they're going to keep Gabe Davis long-term because next year, 2023 is his last year under contract having a cheap wide receiver that they believe in as a weapon around for the next two years might be enough to tilt the scales in his favor. I really have no idea what they're going to do here. I could, I'm not going to be surprised either way. I echo everything you said about Khalil Shakir being reliable in the punt return game. Um, Kudos to Matt Barkley for stepping in and punting for the bills had one that went over 50 yards. It was, you know, a lot of it was a team friendly bounce, Um, but he stepped in in a tough situation, handled the punting duties very well. Uh, What else stood out from this game very quickly? AJ Epinesa didn't play at all. We've talked about that before. It seems like he is firmly defensive in three on this roster and uh, Zach Moss sat the entire game too. So it certainly seems like um, if he wasn't already in your mind, you might want to start getting used to the fact that Zach Moss is in fact a roster lock. All right, Luca. Well, I, we have a game to play. Um, let's just quickly, I'm just going to hit on some around the league points. So then we can just focus on our game. We're going to play of going through the bills season. Um, just around the league, there was an incident at a joint practice between the Bengals and the Rams where Aaron Donald's, um, got into a fight with Lyle Collins, the Bengals, And he ended up grabbing two separate Bengals helmets. And it was a very ugly scene and started swinging them at Bengals players who didn't have helmets on. If you have the sound up, you could hear one cracking on the skull. It was very similar to the incident that happened several years back with Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. Just a very scary situation when you think about somebody as strong as Aaron Donald swinging a helmet at your head. I mean, he could legitimately kill you if he catches you right with that. But um, the understanding that we have from what Pro Football Talk is reporting is that because it was a practice and not a game setting, there's nothing the league can do to punish Aaron Donald. Any discipline would have to come from the team which is kind of weird because he's caught on camera swinging something at somebody else. And it's like, if this happened at a Denny's, you know, he'd be suspended for four games. Um, But because it happened at a practice, I guess all bets are off. So maybe if players want to fight, just do it at practice and you're good to go. Um, I would not anticipate that the Rams are going to suspend their star player. So if you had your hopes up that Aaron Donald is going to miss week one, I think he will be there and will be attacking the bills offense. Um, Sad situation coming out of Washington as Rookie running back Brian Robinson was shot. We don't have many details right now. I, it sounds like maybe he's in um, stable conditions the last I saw. We will keep our ear to the ground on that. Um, obviously wish him the best in recovery there and hope he gets well soon. Um, Seattle Seahawks named Geno Smith starting quarterback over Drew Locke. It seemed like that was turning that way all offseason, and then they finally made the decision that Geno Smith is going to start Week one, when they host the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson, that should be interesting to see Russell Wilson come back to Seattle. The Steelers, at last time I checked, have not named their starting quarterback yet, but Mitchell Trubisky did start all three preseason games for the Steelers. It certainly seems like he's trending toward being the starter for the Steelers when the season kicks off. And then a devastating injury out of Cowboys camp where Tyron Smith had an injury that could actually end his season, a lower body injury, and there was some speculation out of Dallas that it may not only risk his season, but he may never get back on the field. So just a devastating blow to a Cowboys team that has quietly had a terrible offseason when you look at what's going on with Michael Gallup. You wonder if maybe they have some remorse on trading away Amari Cooper for such a cheap amount when they also lost Cedric Wilson, who we know Luca's really high on. Their wide receiver core is struggling. Their offensive line is not, what it used to be, Um, just a tough, tough situation for the Cowboys all around. Luca, anything on that list stand out for you? Oh, one last thing. Um, Tyus Bowser on the Ravens was put on reserve pup list, which means he's going to miss a minimum of four games, and that does rule him out for the week four game against the Buffalo Bills. Luca, as we just kicked it around the league, anything that I just said stand out to you?
1: No, I mean, the Aaron Donald situation was just wild. Um, I will say, as you listen to any former player, it kind of made me sympathize with players in a sense of they understood that it was crazy that people are like wanting him, you know, essentially suspended for a season and stuff. And every former player was essentially uh, going to the point of, hey, if you don't want this to happen. Don't have joint practices because every joint practice has something like this happening. Obviously, it's not someone ripping off helmets and swinging them as they're a weapon or whatever it may be. But there are fights. There are brawls. There's shit talk that happens. And it's heated. Hard knocks. You had uh, MCDC, uh, Motor City Dan Campbell. Telling his players before they went into their joint practice with the Colts saying, I don't want to see any fights. Your evaluation over is over if it is. But then essentially every part of the message otherwise than that was he wanted to see blood on the field. He wanted to see you attacking the Colts. He wanted to see you being physical and getting at it and really working hard because this is what they have. They the coaching and evaluators of they hold this to the highest regard. This is a more controlled, funny to say that when an Aaron Donald situation happens, but this is a more controlled environment for them to evaluate players in their rosters than even a preseason game at times. So they really value these joint practice moments as something that really shows what you have on your roster. Um, Obviously, you're not going to be cutting Aaron Donald. Lyle Collins is not at a risk to be cut. Those kinds of players don't need to probably be scrapping, but... Yeah, what else do you expect when it's the defending Super Bowl champs in a joint practice with the team that they kicked the ass of? Well, I get, I'm not going to say kick ass. The team that they beat in the Super Bowl. Guess what? Tempers are going to flare. Yeah. I don't think Lyle Collins was even on that team though. Actually, what, isn't Lyle Collins someone that came over this off season? Now From that Dallas, I think he yeah, he came over this off season. So the funniest part of it all is. Yes, it was the Cincinnati Bengals who they beat in the Super Bowl, but it was a player who wasn't even on that team that started this fight and got into this altercation with Aaron Donald and it just blew up. Um, yeah, I, that's all I'll say. Like players, former players and even current players are saying if you don't want this crap to happen, don't have joint practices. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but that to a point tells me like people that are, you know, uh, you know, on their soapbox asking for a year-long suspension. It sounds like these kinds of things maybe not a weapon or a helmet being used as a weapon, but fights and brawls and just a lot of aggression and hitting and everything like that. It, ex, you know, it, it amplifies in a joint practice. So if you don't want this to happen, don't do that. Cause Aaron Donald's probably not swinging a helmet at a, you know, a teammate, I would think. I mean, and if he is, it's probably at a guy he doesn't know. And that guy's not going to be on the team anyways, not trying to justify it. Just saying <laughs> this, the likelihood of something like that happening is a lot smaller. If you just keep it in house. Um, But other than that, yeah, I mean, all these notes and stuff like that, we don't have to get too much into the Tyron Smith thing, like with it possibly even being a career ender like that's brutal because it was a hamstring ripped straight off the bone like that's talk about a guy that's just had a bad like a great, great player, high end offensive lineman, which do not grow on trees. That's for sure. And he's just been battling injury after injury after injury. And these are serious injuries, too. It's not even like, you know, pulling a hamstring or whatever it is. I I feel like every injury you he- heard about with Tyron Smith, including this one, it was a big time one. It was a it was a big deal. And hit, I think someone uh, quote tweeted something of him saying he's not ready to retire and he's not going to retire until the tires fall off. And it, someone went, maybe the tires just fell off. And that's sad. Like, that sucks that you know, a great player of him it could not be in this league potentially anymore. And um, it's it's a position that you don't see a lot of elite players and elite athletes. He's one of them playing, and it sucks. That's, that's not good as an NFL fan. That's not good. But um, yeah, other than that, I think we're good uh, on the NFL notes, and I'm excited uh, to get into what we're going to be doing next.
0: Yeah, life comes at you fast in the NFL, and that's why I always support players trying to get all the money they can get um, you know, and some injuries are more severe than others. You see some injuries where players play through them. And Luca, I don't know if you know this or not, but I am actually playing through an injury tonight. I am doing this show in a walking boot. Are I, you really? I am. I had some <laughs> plantar flash fasciitis flare up on me. I felt like my foot was yeah. broken over the weekend. I'm wearing a walking boot. Now, look, I don't want credit for, I don't need credit for playing through this injury but I would, however, like credit for being humble enough to not want credit. So that kind of puts you in an awkward position where it's like, I want credit, but I don't want credit. So I'll let you deal with that while we deal with telling everybody how the 2022 Buffalo Bills season is going to go. Now, when you think about predicting a team season, you obviously think, okay, they're going to go through and pick the 17-game schedule, right? No, 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 no. What is this, amateur hour? Luca and I went through... And predicted all 272 regular season games, every single game that is scheduled on the NFL schedule. And my partner, Luca, went even one step further and put scores out there for every single game. So we are obviously not going to read through every game in the league tonight. We are going to focus on the bills. but. Um, We did this separately, so we're going to have a situation like week one. Hey, Luca, what do you think is going to happen with the Rams? And then I'll tell you what I think is going to happen with the Rams. And then we're going to get to a final record. We'll tell you if we have the Bills making the playoffs, what seed they're in. We both have if they're in the playoffs. I don't want to do any spoilers. If they're in the playoffs, um, we have playoff brackets. We'll go through those. This is a lot of fun. And uh, feel free to just go ahead and skip watching the season because we are going to tell you how it's going to go. Well, at least my version is. I don't know what Luca's thinking. Um, But anyway... Let's get it going, Luke. Are you ready to do this?
1: Oh, absolutely. I've I'm, I've been hyped about this for a couple of days now. I've when we when we locked this idea in for this episode, and we were like, obviously months ago, we talked about when are we going to do our season prediction, and when we finally were like, this is the one to do it. Mm. Oh man, I was ready to go. As you said, I even got scores. I'm ready to go. I'm. I'm let's do this. I'll, I'll let you start, and however you want to do it, you lead the way.
0: Okay, I do want to say. Okay, so here's the challenge. The Bills are a damn good team. They're the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl, which means when you look at a schedule of of 17 opponents, your first instinct is, oh, they can beat that team. They can beat that team. They can beat that team. You get done and the Bills are 17-0. and So then you're thinking to yourself, well, they're not going to go 17-0. and I got to find some losses. So you go through the schedule. You're like, okay, well, let me find some hard games. So this game's tough. This game's tough. This game's tough. I'll give them three losses and I'll keep it moving. And then you realize... Well, shoot, I just had the Bills, who's supposed to be a good team, lose all their hard games. So, what does that say about them? So, me personally, Luca, I went in with with a couple of rules. One, I wasn't going to have the Bills just lose their hard games. Two, I was going to make sure they lost at least one game at home. And three, it had to be a game that I had a very difficult time making a case for them losing. We will get there. So, without further ado, Week one, the Bills kick off in L.A. against the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. Luca, we're going to get into this game very deeply next week, but I will just tell you that nothing has moved me off my spot. I feel like the Bills are going to win this game. I I like the way this sets up for them. I, I like a lot of the matchups. We talked about this that I think the Rams don't have a lot as far as when you look under the hood from their superstars. I think the Bills start off with a win under the lights of primetime Thursday night football.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, you haven't gotten off your spot. I know we've talked a lot about this game off air and I might be the most confident son of a bitch in in the world. Sorry, Mrs. Luca. He
0: did it again. Go
1: ahead. <laughs> oh, shout out to my mom again. She loved the shout out last week. We'll do me. it again real quick. Yep. Oh, she she doesn't mind. She doesn't mind. Okay. But no, um, very, very confident. There's a lot of people, and I'll just do this real quick, and we'll, we can talk more about the game, obviously, but I'm going to talk about one thing and one thing only here. A lot of people are like, how can you pick the Bills to win this game when you know the previous 10 games of this situation, the opposition of the defending Super Bowl champ is 2-8, and eight, right, and all that stuff. Going back, there has never been a game in this predicament where the defending Super Bowl champ is playing against the betting favorite, to win that upcoming season. Okay. They have always played what seems to be either a like for like game, or they've played a team that is clearly some sort of step below them. Mm -hmm. All right. So they have a favorable matchup in this matchup. The bills are the favorite and for betting reasons and money reasons, I'm sure is why more of the point spread is slowly coming more and more apart and favoring the bills more and more. But regardless, that just shows you the confidence that a lot of people with a lot of money have in this Bills team going into this game and winning. So with all of that in mind, yes, the Bills are going to go into L.A., watch them put up a banner, and then make them realize what they could have faced in that game that got them that banner and kick their fucking ass on their This is Luca. They're going to kick their their ass. And they're going to beat them 32-20. I had this originally at 38-17. I gave the Rams three points. I took away six points of us. It is 32-20. We are going to kick their ass. And we're going to show the world why we are the betting favorites in L.A. That
0: game. So, we will not be spending this much time on each game. We're going to kind of fly through this, but I do want to piggyback on a point Luca made because it is a very good one. Historically, this game where the Super Bowl champion, since they moved to this format where the Super Bowl champion opens up on Thursday night football at home against an opponent, I wouldn't say it's been a serve up an opponent on a silver platter for you game, but a lot of times it's been like, let's give you a, an opponent who's good who's credible, but you're probably going to win. So then that can be your night. It can be a night for your fans to get together and celebrate. And you're going to raise your banner and you're going to go out there and you're going to win. Like if you think about when the Chiefs won their Super Bowl, the Houston Texans showed up. And that was fresh off of the season where they beat the Bills in the playoffs. But they weren't any kind of great team by any means. And they went into Kansas City. And that was a good enough game to get the eyes on the screen. The the eyes are always going to be on the screen with the NFL. It's more of a showcase game for the Super Bowl champs. This year is different because the fact that the Rams are underdogs in their own building against the Bills, and they certainly have enough talent to beat the Bills. I cannot wait next week, Luca, to get into the betting line on this game, what that number means, what the movement on that line means. You talked about the betting trends, and I I can't wait to have a larger conversation about – What the money means, the whales that we'll talk about that bet huge money, where they're betting on, and what the story that they think this game is going to be. But for right now, we both have the Bills at 1 0 coming back to Buffalo for their home opener on Monday Night Football to host the Tennessee Titans. Luca, I will tell you that when I look at this schedule, there is not a game on this schedule that I am more confident in outside of obviously like home against the Jets and then the Bears game late. But I feel so strongly that the Bills are not only going to beat the Titans, they are going to thump them. One, you look at the way the last two matchups have gone in Tennessee. There was the COVID situation where the game got moved and the Bills were just off that night. And then last year with Josh Allen slipping on fourth and one, I think this is a Titans team that regressed badly over the offseason. They made some questionable moves for a team that's supposed to be competing to win now. And this is a Bills team that I think remembers how the last two games have gone. And they are just going to go out there and swing and swing and swing. And when the Titans get knocked down, the Bills are going to pick them up and then knock them down again. I think the Bills are going to enjoy dominating this Titans team. I don't think it'll be close.
1: Yeah, let me put an asterisk on this one real quick and say Ryan Tannehill's is playing. But if Malik Willis somehow does a Justin Herbert and plays week two for this team, I am not as confident in this game. But I'm with you if it's Ryan Tannehill. I'm confident that the Bills are going to have a home opener that shows us beating a quality opponent in the Tennessee Titans on Monday night in front of another national audience, 31-17. And honestly, that score sounds closer than I think the game will be. Um, I came to 31 just because we're going to eclipse 30. It could be more. I don't like this Titans defense. Just to give a real quick thing, do not like them. And 17 just comes because Derrick Henry's probably going to break out one run. Like, just give it to him. Whatever he is, you know, Derrick Henry. So be it. It will not be as close as it seems. And yeah, that's going to be two and hoe. and we're going to be a rolling through this season.
0: One thing I like about this game is with us uploading on Mondays, that this will be one of the times that we will be in full pregame mode format. So we will be diving in to this matchup, talking all about it. I do not expect either one of us, barring something unforeseen. To move off of this spot, though, I look forward to that. Week three, Luca, the Bills go down to Miami. We both have the Bills at 2-0. I'm going to start with you on this one. What do you have happening in South Florida?
1: Josh Allen is the Dolphins' daddy. Uh, The trend will not change. I have a feeling that maybe you have something up your sleeve here because I don't know what you got, but I am going to just wrap it up real quick. Josh Allen continues to be the daddy of the Dolphins. It doesn't sound as bad as it is, but again, this is one where I think the scoreline is closer than the game actually is. The Bills are going to be winning 27-17 in South Florida, week three, on a classic Sunday game
0: here in Miami. Luca has the Bills going to 3-0. and I mentioned at the outset that I had to find some losses along the way, some of them that didn't make sense, and I didn't just want to go through and pick the hardest games to lose. Don't throw stuff at me, guys. I'm sorry. I have the Bills losing this game just in this exercise because I remember the Bills beating the Patriots in week three in 2011 when they didn't have the better team. And for one team on the field, that was their Super Bowl. And for the other team on the field, it was just like, oh, another game. And all of a sudden, everybody in that stadium and every player on that field is treating it like it's the greatest moment of their football life. For the Dolphins standpoint, the Bills have absolutely beaten them up the last three years. And really, since Josh Allen was drafted, he has owned this team. He has won Charles Clay drop away from sweeping the Dolphins in his career. He has, I believe the stat, is more player of the week awards against the Dolphins than Tua has touchdown passes against the Bills. It is an insane rivalry. This is a hammer and a nail situation where the Bills are the hammer and the Dolphins are the nail. But the Dolphins are well aware of that. This is an early season game. They are going to be very hyped for this game. I do have the Dolphins starting off strong, and I do think they're going to be 2-0 going into this game. So with all of that as a backdrop, I think they are going to come out swinging. I think over the course of a season that having Tua as your quarterback is going to prove to keep you in games closer than they should. And you're going to end up losing the coin flip games where teams like the Bills are going to blow more people out. And that's why I think the Bills will have longer term success, potentially, no spoilers here. But I think the, the Dolphins are certainly good enough on any given Sunday to beat the Bills. And that's why I have them doing it here in week three. So I have the Bills falling to two and one. I feel people like are booing me right now, Luca. Uh,
1: I mean, it makes sense. It it does. Eventually, as you put it, like, I mean, there was the Bills teams that would beat the Patriots randomly. The Tom Brady Patriots, the Bill Belichick Patriots. A a blind squirrel can find a nut once in a while, right? Um, No, this could be a game kind of to jump off a point you made in a different way. This could be a game where the Miami Dolphins, the new Miami Dolphins, as we know them now, kind of unload the arsenal. They are looking forward to this game. They're hyped up into the season. They use those first two weeks against the Patriots. And then I think, uh, I'm trying to think of their week two. Is it Cameron? Ravens? Ravens, the yeah. Ravens. Yeah. Ravens. They use those kind of as a way to kind of ease into the season, figure out, get their footing and everything like that. And then just unload on what they believe to be the division foe that they need to get over in order to maybe get that division title in this AFC East. Um, I could see it. I just, Josh Allen's their daddy, man. I just can't. We got 17. 17 likes ripping up Miami. I will never go against it until I see otherwise. Just the way it is.
0: So my bills are now sitting at two and one. Luca's bills are comfortably undefeated, but the challenge is tough this week. They head to Baltimore to take on the Baltimore Ravens, who we all agree were better than the record they had last year. Just devastating injuries. It does sound like at this point that they're going to have J.K. Dobbins back. They're going to have Marcus Peters back. They're going to have Ronnie Stanley back. Those are all huge additions for them. We did mention that Tyus Bowser is not going to be there for that game. Um, we've been circling this game for a while. We haven't had Lamar Jackson against Josh Allen in Baltimore yet. We've had two of them in Buffalo. I have this as... A Bills win. I think the Bills are better than the Ravens. I think the Ravens are good, but I don't think the Ravens are equipped to hang with the Bills if this game becomes a shootout. And I don't know if there are many defenses in the league that can hold the Bills under 24 points. So I think you're going to have to go into a game against the Bills with that shootout mentality. And I just think that the Bills defense is going to be able to suffocate the Ravens if they get into a situation where they have to throw and they don't have a lot of weapons to throw to. So give me the Bills with a big win over the Ravens, a bounce back win in my case. To get to three and one Luca. How do you see this one?
1: I am very impressed with the Ravens defense. I so watched a little bit of the preseason and it's preseason and all that kind of stuff. I am very, I think offensively, they're going to have a bounce back. Defensively, they're going to have a bounce back. They will be an impressive team. This is early season and you're going to deal with an early season motivated Lamar and it is going to be heavy. It's going to be a lot and Lamar is going to be an X factor at home. I have a Bills loss in Baltimore, 30-20. to I do think the Ravens can put up points on this Bills defense. I do think this Ravens defense can limit the Bills offense when at home. Let me just preface that one more time. When at home, with that crowd behind them, with that environment that they are uncomfortable with, I think the Ravens can best us. I do think they can do what they need to do. It's a scary game. It's going to be a great game to watch. Let me just also preface that. I cannot wait for this game, as you said, circled on the calendar kind of deal. Um, It's just, yeah, I think this is where the Bills kind of have a little bit of a hiccup, have an issue. No fault to them. Baltimore is going to be a very, very good team this season. And um, yeah, Lamar is going to be a massive problem in this matchup, I do believe.
0: I'm just mad this game is early in the year because we talked about this, that the Ravens field is beautiful, and this game just needs to be the Ravens all blacks and the Bills all whites. What a what a scene that would be! But uh. early in the year, one PM kickoff, you know these teams. If they're home, the home team gets to pick their uniforms. The Ravens are gonna they're gonna uh, skew toward having a light colored jersey just in case there's a lot of sunlight out. So the Bills will have to wear their darks. I think we're gonna end up having Ravens whites against you know the Bills white pants blue. Blue tops. I'll get over it. Maybe we'll get a playoff matchup or something where we get the all blacks against the all all whites uniforms in Baltimore, that stadium. I don't know what it is about that stadium, but man, it is just everything about Josh Allen against Lamar Jackson. If the Ravens are wearing their their all black uniforms and the Bills are wearing their all white uniforms, I think that might be the coolest combination to see. Um, But it is what it is. Um, We both have the Bills at three and one coming home to take on a team that beat the Bills last year in Buffalo. I mentioned before I was going to have a surprising loss in Buffalo, but this isn't it. I think that the Bills are better than the Steelers. I don't really care who the Steelers quarterback is. I do think that at this point in time, Mitch Trubisky is a little bit scarier than Kenny Pickett. I am not a Kenny Pickett believer. I think Mitch Trubisky is underratingly, underratedly mobile, and I think the Steelers do have some good weapons in the passing game where they could keep up with the Bills for a little bit, I don't believe in their offensive line, and I don't think there's going to be enough consistency in their offense in general to hang with the Bills. I think the Steelers game is one of those tough, hard-fought games where maybe the Bills starts off slow offensively, and they pull away to like a 10-point win. How do you see this one, Luca?
1: You almost just read my damn mind. That's yeah. exactly how I kind of painted this game. Uh, the score, I'll just jump right into it. Bills win. Bills will absolutely win this game. I'm with you 100%. I think Mitch Trubisky's the guy. He should be starting. I also believe that to be, though, I think the Steelers like Pickett maybe more than you and I do. And they just don't want to throw Pickett into the fire early. If you look at their early schedule, I mean, week one, they're playing Cincinnati. Eventually, week five, as we're discussing here, they're playing the Bills. Their early season schedule is a little tough. Throw Trubisky in it. Let Pickett eventually kind of get into it, maybe where the Steelers find themselves 500 and kind of on the outside looking in and not feeling comfortable that playoffs are necessarily as vitally important. Um, Overall, though, yeah, 24-13, Bills win. Um, but I do see it as kind of an early game struggle a little bit, you know, the Steelers as a defensive team, always as a scheme, TJ Watt out there, everything like that, blah, 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 you know, they'll cause some problems early, but then the bills and 17 and Dorsey and all of them will adjust and eventually find their way to a 24 13 win. And we can move on to a big, big game in week six.
0: I I think if I was going to predict right now, I'd say the Steelers probably hold Kenny Pickett on the bench until after their week nine bye. when you look at it, like Lucas said, their schedule is really tough. They also have a game against the Patriots in there, which I know the Patriots say what you want to, but Belichick has just owned young quarterbacks gotten in their head. You can maybe think about the Sam Darnold seeing ghost comment. Maybe they hold him off until the bye where they get some of those hard games out of the way and they come back for a home game against the Saints in Pittsburgh as that jumping off point for his career. So, Luka, we both have the Bills at 4-1, and and here we go. The Bills, in week six, head to Kansas City to take on the evil nemesis, Kansas City Chiefs, the team that has ended the Bills' season two years in a row. Now, the Bills went there in the regular season last year and dominated the Chiefs to a 38-20 victory, in a game that was delayed by rain and lightning. It didn't matter. They could have delayed that game for 12 hours. The Bills still would have won, and Luca the bills we know they're going to circle the chiefs on the calendar but here's what i'm going to say i have the bills losing this game and it's not because i think the chiefs are better and it's not because i think that the bills are are snake bit and they're scared of the chiefs it's actually quite the contrary last year it felt to me like in that sunday night game where they went to kansas city they put everything into that game And it felt like, at least defensively, they came out flat against Tennessee and they could not stop a nosebleed against the Titans once the Titans figured out that we can run play action against the Bills. And they had Ryan Tannehill out there um, just completing passes at will, scoring at will. I think what happens this year is the Bills realize, hey, we thumped the Chiefs in Arrowhead last year and it didn't make a damn bit of difference come playoff time. This is just the next game on the schedule. And I don't think they're going to be as high for this game as they were last year. I'm not saying that they're not going to care. They're certainly going to care. They're going to go out there and try to win a game. I don't think that the emotions are there, and I could actually see it being the other way. The Chiefs have been hearing all off season about, oh, the Bills are the favorite. The Bills are the best team in the AFC. The Bills should have beaten you if their coaches weren't dumbasses in the last thirteen seconds. I could see the Chiefs being that team that are more hyped to prove, like, hey, this is still our field. This is still our game. We've ended your season the last two years. Let's put you in your place. So I just think this is one of those things where it's a hard thing to pick the bills to lose any game looking at it here on August 28th when they're the betting favorite. But this is certainly one that's sitting here. I could see them see the bills uh, getting away from them.
1: Yeah, 1000%. This is a game where I think you almost stole my point again, man. I'll let you go first next time. (laughs) You're fine. fine. I, I really do think this is a game where Kansas City will find themselves more motivated, more kind of hyped up for than the bills. Um, And I don't think it's, I'm saying the bills are overlooking Kansas city or it's just, they're another team. I just think Kansas city, again, as everything you just pointed out, they've been hearing about the bills. The bills are the betting favorite. And it's like, Hey, Kansas city has been the class of the AFC for three seasons. Basically. I mean, obviously Cincinnati beat them last year in the AFC championship and represented the AFC in the super bowl. But, In all reality, I think it's 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 very disrespectful to Cincinnati, but I think Kansas City is still looked at last year, the year before, and then the year even before that they were the class of the AFC. They were the team even going to Mahomes second season when they you know, he was the MVP and he was dominant. He became Kansas City became the class of the AFC that season. They didn't go on to go to the Super Bowl because they lost to the Patriots that year in the playoffs. Um, But it's. Kansas city has been the class and all of a sudden now they're hearing about Buffalo. They're hearing about the bills. The bills are the team to beat. They're the betting favorite. Yeah. They're going to want to show everyone in a nice 4:25 time slot that, Hey, we are still Kansas city. As you said, this is still our field. We're going to kick their ass. We're going to show you what we have done before. And yeah, I have us losing to Kansas city 34, 28. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a fun watch. It's going to be exactly what you expect. Um, When it comes to Bill's Kansas City, it's just Mahomes and Andy Reid are going to figure out how to make this new offense that they have there work. I'm also going to say this. I'm a big Juju guy in this offense. I really think that's something that might work a lot better than a lot of others think. He is going to be a really, really nice dependable weapon on the outside for Mahomes. And Juju is the kind of like size, athletic ability kind of that I don't know if Trey's going to be back by that point and stuff, just to point out one thing. I know we said we weren't going to do that, but this is kind of where I'm at because I think people have been disrespecting Kansas City's offense and it's going to fall because there's no more reek. Juju is a guy, if he can step up and be what I think he can be in this offense with a nice class of Andy Reid and Mahomes in offense, it's going to be something that's going to give Elam, Benford, and a fresh off the PUP Trey White, some fits Mm -hmm. like that could be a serious, serious problem. So, yeah, that's kind of where my head is at with this game. It's going to be a loss. It's not going to be the worst thing in the world, but damn, it's still going to hurt because a loss is a loss and no one wants to watch that. But yes, 3428 loss in Kansas City. Sadness, much, much sadness.
0: It's one thing to keep in mind that this is how we feel on August 28th, going through the exercise of predicting the entire schedule. Luca and I are both the type of people that will change our opinion as new information comes about. And there will almost certainly be in all of these games, new information that presents itself as we get closer to these games and as those games weeks come. So if it comes to a point where we get to week six against Kansas City and Luke and I are feeling like, hey, I think the Bills are trending in the right direction. They're going to win this game. You might be like, oh, no, no, no. Back on your podcast on August 29th, you said the Bills lose. That's the information we had then. The Bills now enter their bye week. We both have the Bills at 4-2. and two. Coming off of the bye, man, it's going to be fascinating. If the Bills are 4-2 and two, and then they're going into this Sunday night game against Green Bay, it is going to feel borderline must-win territory. For this Super Bowl season, you do not want to be falling to 4-3 and three at mid-year be closer to a 500 team than a championship team. I don't anticipate that happens, though. I think that the Bills go out on Sunday Night Football. They win a game against the Green Bay Packers. I think they may struggle a bit to move the ball against this very solid Packers defense. But at the end of the day, in Buffalo, under the lights, I think the Bills are the better team, and they have a quarterback that's just as good as the quarterback on the other side of the field, despite what the NFL Top 100 says. Give me the Bills' victory over the Packers to move to 5-2. and two. Luca, how do you feel?
1: Boom. Roasted top NFL 100 in your face. Um, Yeah, it this is this is a game I hope to be at. Um, I know we've talked about that in previous episodes and stuff. I cannot wait. Rogers Allen. Oh, man. Sunday night under the lights at home and a beautiful what's going to probably be a crisp, but manageable late October night in Western New York. Yeah, I got this. This is going to be a back and forth to me. It's going to be a bit of a kind of chess match uh, kind of game between two elite electric quarterbacks and their offenses and then two very good defenses. I feel like people sleep on the Green Bay defense all the time. You brought it up. They are a very solid defense. They could potentially have the best one, two, three corners in the league. They really could. Rasul Douglas is no joke as their three. He is very, very good. So, yeah, but. Ultimately, I do have it as a win as well. I think we're going to win this game 27-24. As I said, a little bit of a back and forth chess match situation. I'm really hoping there might be a chance I'm going to this game, and I will be very excited to watch Rodgers versus Allen and hopefully watch Allen come up on top as they win
0: 27-24. We both had the Bills at 5-2, and two and they head to New York, New Jersey to take on the Jets. Um, for their second AFC East matchup of the season in week nine against the Jets. So they've only played one AFC East matchup so far, week three against the Dolphins. Um, Luca, I know I said last time I was going to let you go first so I don't keep stealing your thunder. How do you see the five and two Bills faring in New Jersey?
1: Oh, there's not much to talk about here. We're going to New Jersey. We're going to play New York and we're going to kick their ass. I'm just going to say the score line because it's going to be real. 3113, one of those beautiful, you know, 21, 3113s. 31, just a, just a, finally a opponent on the schedule that is a nice walkthrough. We'll call it, you know, I'm not just, dis- I'm not trying to disrespect the jets here, but let's, let's call it what it is. The Rams, the Titans, the dolphins, the Ravens, the Steelers, the chiefs, the Packers. We finally get the jets and a breath of fresh air, and we're going to walk through this thing and we're going to kick their ass, roll them over and get out of town. It's going to be a 31-13 win. Mark it in there. Even bet the correct score, people. It's going to hit. Let's get on with our day. That's how I feel about this game. It's going to be fantastic.
0: There's a noticeable break in the schedule after week eight. Luca hit on it. The The heavy meat in the top of the schedule is, is very noticeable. You have the Super Bowl champions, the number one seed from last year, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, my, in Miami. Then you have Green Bay. It is every game you can make a case that the Bills could lose that game It's after week nine, week nine included, where you start to see the let up. Like you have the Browns without Deshaun Watson. You have a a few more home games. You finally get some home one o'clock games. And then this Jets game here, I'm with you, Luca. I think the Jets are a team that's probably going to be better than a lot of people think, but that doesn't mean that they're ready to be great. I think a lot of people think they're going to be awful, and I think they can graduate to mediocre. Mediocre should not beat the Bills in a championship season where they have to stack regular season wins to get that number one seed. I think they go to New York, New Jersey, I keep saying New York, and they get a big win over Zach Wilson, hopefully by then, and the Jets. All right, so we both have the Bills sitting at six and two, heading into a week 10 matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. Luca, how do the Bills fare against the Vikings? This will be an interesting game.
1: I, You know, we talked about it in our uh, Rivals Watch series, you know, about the Vikings, and I think I'm a little higher on them than you are, but it's going to be a very interesting game. I think um, a lot's going to happen here, and, but ultimately, I do think the Bills are a better team overall. I think they're a better, I will say this, they're a better When it comes to the difference between defense to defense, offense to offense, I do think the gap is more there on defense than it is offense. They have a lot of weapons. They can do a lot of different things on offense. Obviously, Kirk Cousins to Josh Allen is the biggest separator, you know, and it is a big one. But after that, it is pretty like for like. It is they can do a lot of things that we can do, and it's all over the place. So ultimately, I do think the Bills win here. I do have it as a 28-17 win that could be easily a 21-17 game until late where we just get a touchdown and the scoreline looks. Like I said earlier, where scorelines uh, were closer than it appears, this is one that probably looks farther or more of a distant win than it appears. It could be a 21-17 game. It could be a 20-17 to game, whatever it is. Obviously, I say 28-17, so I'm saying 21. But um, ultimately, it's going to be a closer game. But being at home in early November against a dome team, I think that's kind of a couple different things there that separate the the Bills from the Vikings and we get that dub.
0: There's a lot to like about this matchup against the Vikings. You mentioned the fact they're a dome team. You mentioned the huge advantage the Bills have at quarterback. They have one of the best in the league going against what I think is fairly a league average, maybe slightly above average on his best day. I think the Bills have the better roster. You mentioned some of the high points on the Vikings, and there's the added point of Does Stefan Diggs hold a grudge against the Vikings? Is he extra motivated? Are they extra motivated to go out there for him and beat his ex team? All of that. And I will say at the beginning of this exercise, I told you I owed you a home loss. And I didn't want to just go out there and say, well, I guess they're going to lose to the Packers. I'm looking at the schedule and I'm just, what I'm trying to do, Luca, is I'm trying to find that Jaguars game. I'm trying to find that Colts game from last year where, for whatever reason, The Bills come out, and they either can't get anything going offensively in the Jaguars game, or they just get manhandled the Colts game. And trying to find a team like that, I have this down as a loss, and it's more so about the larger exercise than anything specific to the Vikings. I I didn't want to have the Bills just going through win, 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 win. So this to me is one of those games where Luca mentioned it. There's enough talent on the Vikings. Maybe think about the Pittsburgh game from last year. There's enough talent on the team that they can keep the game close enough that the Bills can beat themselves. Maybe the Bills get a punt blocked. Maybe Allen gets sacked by Daniil Hunter in fumble, and that's the difference in the game. Maybe it's a situation where, much like with Jonathan Taylor last year, Dalvin Cook cannot be stopped. Maybe it's a situation where Trey White's not back yet, and they have a hard time uh, matching up with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. There's paths that you can see here where the Vikings can give the Bills trouble, and when you just look at a schedule and you don't want to have a team going undefeated, I mark this down as a loss, and the Bills lose a game at home that I think would have the fan base, our show, and all of Bills Mafia questioning a lot of things at this point in time if they do lose this game. So I have the Bills at six and three. Luca has them at seven and two. And in Week 11, the Bills are back home for the Deshaun Watson-less Cleveland Browns. We know he won't be there. We assume it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. Um, Luca, what do you see happening when the Cleveland Browns come to town?
1: Um, I, there's a part of me that wants this to be a Josh Rosen led Cleveland Browns. You know, I'm very excited for Tuesday. You know, obviously he could not even be on the team come Tuesday. Uh, but what I will say is Deshaun Watson won't be playing quarterback. It's going to be most likely Jacoby Brissett, as you pointed out, I have this as a, a win. It's not going to be a pretty win. This is not a game. I I feel like a lot of people out there saw Deshaun Watson going to be suspended for the Bills game and kind of chalk this as a, oh, this is going to be a pretty easy, manageable game. Let's not forget that Cleveland Browns defense is really good on paper. Uh, Let me just preface on paper, because last year people had them going to the Super Bowl because of what they had on paper. So until I see it, you know, really, they they were still decent last year. They just weren't as impressive as they should have been most likely. I do think they they know that. Uh, there was one preseason game I just randomly had on uh, where Miles Garrett was getting interviewed during the game, and it clearly seemed like it was on his head. He's motivated, and if Miles Garrett, the face of that defense, is motivated, I'm sure the rest of that dressing room is motivated. So I will say I have Cleveland, w- or sorry, Cleveland Cheese. I have the Bills winning against Cleveland, but it's a score line of only twenty three thirteen. I think that's a pretty good assessment. You know, we've gone through this exercise so far and I'm just checking my notes here real quick. Yes, that is the lowest point total I have had the bill score to date and there's a reason for it. Um, Also, fun fact, I can see you typing on our outline. So I I saw you type the Minnesota thing. I saw you smile. (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) that's why I giggled on the last point. Just wanted to say that real quick. Um, But yeah. Uh, We're going to beat the Browns 23-13. I do think it's going to be a bit of a grind of a game. It's kind of that game, too. This could be that game later in November, mid-November, where the weather sucks Mm -hmm. as well. So it just just reeks of just a brutal grind of a win for the Buffalo Bills against those pesky Cleveland Browns.
0: That's important to keep in mind. We all dream about what this offense is going to look like with Diggs and Gabe Davis and McKenzie and Knox and just... Josh Allen throwing it to everybody. And that's going to be the case more often than not. But there are in Buffalo, New York, going to be days where it's just not conducive to throwing the ball all over, whether it's a slick ball with rain or whether it's high winds. And you can see a situation where that really does lessen some scoring. I do think the Bills are better equipped to handle that with the quarterback they have Than most teams, this was a game Luca that when I was looking for that home game or two home games to mark as a loss that stood out to me, but the deciding factor for me was I just can't see a scenario where Jacoby Brissett and that receiving core that outside of Amari Cooper, I'm not overly enthralled with. Um, can, can go toe-to-toe with the Bills outside of a situation where Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson just run all over the Bills like the the Colts did last year. So I had this as a win. I could definitely see it being a close, uncomfortable game, especially when you factor in that the Bills could have an eye on the fact that they are going to be playing four days later in think, in Detroit on Thanksgiving. Maybe this is a game they go into against Jacoby Brissett, like, hey, let's just go through the motions, let's get the win, let's get on our way to Detroit. We have two games in, in five days. That's a lot to go through. You can see a lot of scenarios where it works against the Bills. But in this scenario, I have them winning and heading to Detroit at seven and three on Thanksgiving. Luca has the Bills at eight and two. Luca, I have the Bills winning this game in Detroit. I don't think it'll be particularly close. I think under the, the the thing about Detroit is, I think they're the kind of team that when I was doing this exercise, I gave them more wins than I expected. I think they're the kind of team that can sneak up on you in the right spot. Like if you're playing Detroit at noon on a Sunday and it's the game when you, when you see all the games stacked up, if you're watching a pregame show and it's the bottom of the screen, like, you know, Minnesota is at home against Detroit and they're just, you know, it's a, it's a nothing game. And they're like, okay, we just got done playing the Packers. Now we're going to play Detroit. We can breathe a little bit. And all of a sudden Detroit comes out and they beat you. The thing that works for the bills here is this game is Is not under the lights because it's early in the day, but it is the only game going on and it is under the spotlight of Thanksgiving where everybody is watching football. It doesn't matter the quality of the game. And these Bills are not going to let themselves go out there and be embarrassed in Detroit. There is no overlooking the Lions in this spot. And that's why the Lions historically do so bad in this spot. You don't see them pull a lot of upsets because this is not a spot that's conducive to upsets. I see the Bills, assuming they're fully healthy at this point in time, or at least healthy enough, not having a whole lot of trouble scoring in this game. I think it'll be a blowout, and it'll be a very fun game to kick off what should be a very fun Thanksgiving for all of us.
1: Yeah, let me just start with the score line on this one. I have it being a 41-20 win. I'm going to go ahead and be bold and say they shut out the Lions in the first half. This could easily be a game where they're up 35-0 at half. And then that second half is kind of something we can at least enjoy partially in the background, one eye on it and just see what's going on. Because all of a sudden Josh Allen's wearing a a, a ball cap on the sideline out of the tunnel. Like this is, I I do, I'm with you on the Lions. I do think the Lions are, you know, under Motor City, Dan Campbell. I'm going to keep saying MCDC. I love that nickname Uh, (laughs) under MCDC. They are going to be a physical presence. They're never going to quit. They're never going to give up. They're going to try 100% every game. Unfortunately, trying doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win all the time. And when you come up against a team like the Bills, who, as you said, will be looking forward to this game, will understand that this is a Thanksgiving 1230 game. Guess what? You're going to get steamrolled. That's just that's the the way it works. So, yeah, 4120. Bills will be comfortable through Thanksgiving and enjoy a wonderful dinner afterwards, I'm sure, after beating the Lions in their house.
0: Indoor fast track. I just can't shake this feeling that maybe there's a pun intended here, but it's going to be a James Cook game week 12 and a cook on Thanksgiving. I could just see I could see that being a breakout game where he just breaks the Thanksgiving DFS slate. Keep that in mind. All right, week 13, the Bills start a stretch of three straight AFC East matchups. I currently have the Bills sitting at eight and three. Luka has them at nine and two. This is another Thursday night game. Both the Bills and Patriots play on Thanksgiving, so there is no advantage for either one of these teams playing again on Thursday night. They'll both be going on a full week's rest. Luka, I think the Patriots are in a tough spot with the Bills because if the Bills are going to overlook a division rival, it's not going to be New England. I think Sean McDermott and Josh Allen are well aware of the history between these two teams. And I think what is going to work against the Patriots is the fact that they snuck out of that game last year on Monday Night Football, the fluke of all flukes with a win. The Bills are going to remember that. I think the Bills, every time they see the Patriots, are going to want to remind them of who Daddy is in this division now. Um, these players obviously weren't here. I mean, a lot of them, maybe the Hides and the Poyers, were here for the tail end of it. They weren't here for the 17 years of just New England throttling us. And I don't think it's as personal to them as it is to the fans but they are well aware of what the Patriots have meant to the sport, who Bill Belichick is. And I think they take pride in the fact that they have just throttled the Patriots more often than not the last two seasons. And I think that continues this year. I don't know if it's going to be like a a 48 to 10 kind of deal or a 58 to 20, whatever. I don't think it's going to be anything like that, but I think it's a comfortable game in new England. The bills go to Foxborough, maybe similar to last year, the game in Foxborough where the bills end up winning by about 10 points. But there's really never any doubt which team is better.
1: I disagree with you. Now, now that I said that, the Bills are not losing. They will win this game 21-17. But that scoreline should reflect to you exactly where my head's at. This is late enough in the season where we're playing the Patriots for the first time. And I believe I how do you not believe in Bill Belichick to a sense of he's going to get the absolute most out of everybody on at least the defensive side. There are all the question marks on the offensive side. There's everyone seeing what's been going on. I don't think I've seen one positive thing come out of new England's camp for the offensive offensive side of the ball all preseason. Like there hasn't been one positive tweet, nothing, no one that one throw he just threw against the Raiders. Oh my God. That was hilarious. <laughs> Brutal that by the way, that linebacker who is undrafted uh, it was said that he made the 53 man roster. Good for him. That's a highlight reel that now he can say got him a career. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Um, but with all of that said, yes, I do think Bill Belichick will get that defense at least to be something that can be a problem. They will know their assignment. They know their job, the do your job mentality. They all have their roles and they will be pesky. They will be annoying. They have guys like Josh Jones as a corner who, again, I love it. He's he's a fellow Sun Devil, but I think he's the kind of role guy that fits a New England scheme perfectly that Bill Belichick knows exactly what he wants to do with the, the athlete that is him at corner. And so, yes, it may not look good on paper, opposite of like what we talked about with Cleveland, but he's going to be a lot better than what you expect. So they will be annoying. They will stay in the game through and through, but we will eventually leave Foxborough with a win 21-17.
0: Let me say this about Sean McDermott. I think he is well aware of the rivalry with New England. And I think he is quietly, he, he'd never say this, but I think he's well aware of the head to head record against Belichick right now. It's four to seven in favor of Belichick. Belichick, seven and four, McDermott, four and seven, um, if you include the playoff game. And I think McDermott is well aware that Belichick may only have a year or two left. I could see a situation where it's important to him to have a winning record against Belichick. I I just, you can just tell the amount of respect he has for Belichick and it comes out when they play where the bills try to stick it to the Patriots. And I think it's a respect thing. I don't think, I know it sounds weird, but you can just tell the way he talks about Belichick that there's a huge respect there, but it ate at him when they lost that Monday night game last year. I don't think that the bills lose to this team. And I also will say, I believe in bill Belichick, the coach. I don't believe in bill Belichick, the GM. I think this roster is very talent deficient, and he. I think if anybody can make the most out of this defense, it's him. Uh, but it, I'll believe it when I see it. When when this group of players can slow down the Bills. Um, all right, so we both have the Bills winning that game. Luca has the Bills at ten and two. I have them at nine and three. Coming home to play the New York Jets. Luca, not a lot of analysis here. We talked about the Jets a little bit earlier. I have the Bills winning, maybe not as big as last time. Maybe there's a weather factor here, but it'll be comfortable, and the Bills go to ten and three for me.
1: 38 to 10, ass whooping. We can move on. Real quick. All just right. short and sweet. They're gonna kick their ass. 38 might even be low. Just be honest.
0: Well, we're appa- gonna kick their ass. Apparently, I'm gonna have the dolphins owning the bills because I had the dolphins beating the bills earlier in the year and they come back to Buffalo. I'm just kidding. I can't say that. So the Dolphins beat the Bills week three in my projection. But guess what, folks? It's December now. It's Buffalo. The fish don't do well in the cold. And I think old Tua is going to see a little bit of wind out there. I think the Dolphins are going to be one of those uh, Bills drought teams that start off maybe really hot in September and October, and they start really believing themselves. And then when it gets down to November and December, they really realize where they do fall in in this weight class of the NFL, and it is not in the same class as the Bills. I think the Bills punch them in the mouth pretty hard here, Um, especially if they do lose that early season game. I think this will be a humbling game for the Dolphins. I could see a situation where the Bills win a game, say like 27 to 10. And maybe this is that one game where the Bills just come out and just flaunt their running game on the Dolphins. This is one of those McDermott wants to see if his team can run for 200 yards. Now, I know the Dolphins have a good defensive line. Maybe that's not even possible in this scenario, but I just see a situation where the Bills come out and they just want to prove to the Dolphins look. You got lucky against us early in the year. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's still our division. And this will probably, in the way I have it projected, be the game that puts the Bills now far enough ahead of the pack that they can start sniffing that AFC East title. I have the Bills with a win.
1: Yeah, Bills are going to win here. Just short and sweet again. I don't want to go too much into it. Again, we talked about the Dolphins a little bit. But uh, yeah, as you mentioned, December in Buffalo. They don't fare well up here. And I love it. I love everything about it. And um, no, I see this being an air ball situation, being like, oh, you enjoying two over there. Here's Josh Allen just slinging it all over your defense and your corners that you love to talk about. 42 24, another one of those little flip score lines. Um, and 42 might not even be enough points, but I'll I'll say 42 24 for the sake of a beautiful symmetric score line. Bills win. And um yeah, the the train's rolling at this point. Thirty-eight points, forty-two points. What what do we have next here, Josh?
0: Well, Luca, you currently have the dolphins on at four or the dolphins six, seven, eight. You have the Bills on an eight game winning streak after losing an arrowhead. But I have a feeling, knowing how high you are on the Bears, that it's all going to come crashing down on Christmas Eve as the Bear, the Bills go to Chicago to take on one of the best up and coming rosters. I am just kidding. If you listen to Rivals Watch, you know that Luca and I both think that the Bears are probably the worst roster in football. Luca made a bold claim about the Bears that they wouldn't win a game this year. I will follow up with you on that, Luca, and see if you still believe that. Um, I'm very confident in saying I have this as a win. Um, I'm, i very confident you're going to have this as a win, but I'll let you speak to that. And do you still have the bears going winless?
1: I am so confident in that statement that I've even put serious money on them. Now, obviously it's not under a half win, but under three and a half wins, I have put money on it. I have shown you, I've put money on this because it was the plus money line. How could I not? Um, yeah, you know how you mentioned, you know, Miami could be the game that we flaunt the run game. This is the one that I look at. And Sean McDermott goes, Hey. Singletary, Moss, all you boys go out there and get it. You know how, like, Bama gets Austin P on the schedule? Yeah. Or Fordham? This is that game. This is that game where it's the betting line could easily, like, in my mind, we're rolling. As you mentioned, I have them on this crazy win streak right now, and they're playing Chicago, who is low on life. This could be a betting line that I easily see hitting the 20 point mark, which is just insane to think about in the NFL. And um yeah, no, they'll cover that. 45 to 9, I believe I have written down here. Yeah. It's gonna be an easy day at the park. Soldier Field is gonna be just very depressed. And uh I love everything about this game. I can this might be one of the biggest games in my betting book and in my personal life because I cannot wait to watch this game. I don't know why. It's the Bills at the Bears late in the season when one season is all about winning the Super Bowl, the other is just trying to get through the year without dying. And I love it. I cannot wait.
0: I could see the running thing, too. When you look at the Bills will be off of a game against the Dolphins. They'll be staring at a big opponent the next week, and it's Christmas Eve. Maybe McDermott's like, let's get in, get out, and get this win. Let's just take a step back real quick. We talked about Week 8 against Green Bay. Since then, the Bills have the Jets twice, the Dolphins at home, the Patriots, the Lions, the Browns without Deshaun Watson, and the Chicago Bears. If the Bills survive that first stretch of the regular season, like with four wins out of their first six, it's going to be like, oh, no, they're four and two. Just take a step back and know what's coming, folks. They're going to climb up the standings in the second half. There's plenty of wins there to be had against some mediocre and below teams. Uh, That is not what's next for the Bills, though. Luca has them at 13 and two. I have them at 12 and three. And the Bills in week 17 traveled to Cincinnati on Monday Night Football to take on the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. This game could have a lot on the line when you're talking about the number one seed, you're talking about playoff positioning, you're talking about two teams that have the eye on the ultimate prize of winning the Super Bowl, and this game is in Cincinnati. And Luca, there's a lot to respect about the Bengals. I think they are going to prove that last year wasn't a fluke, even though there are some... some analytic points that show that some of their, some of their wins were more turnovery and some defensive things that aren't necessarily sustainable. When you look at analytical data of sports, I think that what they have built in Cincinnati is sustainable with good players at key positions. I think just, this is one of those situations with all due respect to things going on in Cincinnati. This is anything you can do. We can do better. And that's not to say that Stefan Diggs is better than Jamar Chase or Devin Singletary is better than Joe Mixon. But it is to say that our passing game as a whole with Josh Allen is better than their passing game as a whole with Joe Burrow. And Josh Allen can also take over a game with his feet, which in this scenario, I think they'll be willing to unleash in a game this big. I do think that the Bills can play great defense, where I think the Bengals are capable of playing very good defense. I do think that Sean McDermott is on his way to being a great head coach. and I don't think the Bengals have that just yet. I think this is a situation where one team is just a little bit of a notch above, and I think it's going to come out and show on Monday Night Football, and the Bills get a monstrous win when it comes to playoff seedings. And this is the kind of win, Luca, that Even though in my scenario, I had the Bills losing early to Miami, dropping a home game to Minnesota. This is the kind of game they go out there and beat Cincinnati in Cincinnati. And we are right back on the just start the damn playoffs path. Let's get this Super Bowl ring. That's how we'll be feeling if the Bills win this game. How do you see it?
1: This is statement win around the league kind of game. Um, Obviously, with that one key word in there, you can tell where I'm going with this. The Bills will be winning on this Monday night finale in Cincinnati. I have it as a score of 32-20. I think it's going to be a very entertaining game. Um, What I will say about this is, at this point in time in this season, based on what I have projected and what I've gone through in the season, as you mentioned before we started this exercise, uh, we, crazy enough, went through the entire league, picked every game. Um, This was kind of a game where the Bills we're at the 95% locked up the AFC, this game seals the deal. This is the one I think the Bills will be very motivated going into. It's a legitimate opponent. It's the one that represented the AFC in the Super Bowl last year. Um, It kind of can work in a way, not to spoil too much about what we're going into, but this could be like the bookend of the regular season. We started with the defending Super Bowl champs, and we're starting to close up here with Cincinnati in Cincinnati. By the way, in their homes, both respectively, um, and we're going to make a statement. We're going to we're going to show the league, show the AFC. This is what we're about. This is what this season's about for us. And yeah, we lock up the AFC in this game. We show them we mean business. I think what your point about Allen and everything like that. This is where we really show that we're in a groove. We're ready to go. We're ready for playoffs. When does it start? Sign us up. And uh, yeah, as I said, we win 32-20 in the Monday night finale in Cincinnati.
0: It feels like a game where our defensive line could also take over too. The Bengals have done a lot to improve their offensive line, but that was their biggest bugaboo last year. And I don't think they've really improved to the point of being great. I think they're at least league average at this point. I think the Bills defensive line is going to have several weeks where they just win the game for the Bills. And this could very much be one of those. I have the Bills sitting at 13-3. Luka has them at 14-2, having already clinched the number one seed in the AFC that will probably factor into what he sees happening week 18 against the New England Patriots. I did not have this as a game that the Bills could just punt on. I have them needing this game. And if them if they need a game week 18 against the Patriots, I think they're going to get it. I have the Bills winning and having a regular season record of 14 and three finishing with a five and one record in the AFC East. Luca, how do you see this game going?
1: As you mentioned, I had them locked up the AFC. They have locked up the AFC the previous week in Cincinnati. There is no reason for Josh Allen to be playing this game week 18. Uh, a, an interesting kind of roll off to a point you made. Sean McDermott does value, I think, this matchup a lot. And I think he definitely looks at Bill Belichick as a standard in the league. Bill Belichick has no fear of benching you know, key guys in the 18. We have seen it to just make sure they're healthy for the playoffs. And he will reciprocate this. He will show, yes, hey, Bill, I know I really value this matchup. I know I really want to beat you. It's not worth risking 17 if everything is done and dusted. He will be benched. Case Keenum will be out there. And guess what? Bill Belichick will probably have a pretty good defensive idea if they need this game to wrap up Case Keenum in this offense. I have us losing the regular season finale at home 23 to 10 as you can see a very unimpressive game understandably though I don't think anyone in Bill's Mafia will really care if my projection has gotten us to this point that this is a loss going into the playoffs because we have already gotten a bye week and that just means Josh Allen's going to be nice and healthy for a homestand going into the AFC playoffs
0: Yeah, so my comment about McDermott wanting to beat Bill Belichick, I think that goes out the window in your scenario. McDermott's way too smart. He's way too calculated. He's not going to risk an important player in this scenario um, for pride. I think we have seen McDermott play his players in games before. Now, there was a situation two years ago where they played Miami, and there was still some seeding to be had there, and you know they could get all the way up to the two seed, which is important because then you're home until the championship round. Um, I, I think if there's anything to play for as far as seating goes, that the bills would have their studs out there for at least a little bit. Um, but if this if this is the scenario that Luca painted, everything is wrapped up in the AFC, maybe Josh Allen goes out for a cup of coffee, one drive. I don't even see the point in that. Maybe it's a situation where he goes out there just because of his legacy. You want to continue a streak started you know, like the whole Brett Favre thing, like Josh Allen's a pretty durable guy. If he's played every game this year, maybe you give him the start just to have that moment. But yeah, I, I'm, I can totally see that playing out. All right, Lucas. So we both have the bills at 14 and three. One difference is I was very surprised how high I was on one team in the AFC. And I think it's more to do with what their schedule looks like. I actually had the bills getting the two seed. I have the Indianapolis Colts going 15 and two. Because the Indianapolis Colts, I am not high on the Titans at all. And that has them two games against the Titans, two games against the Jags, two games against the Texans. And then they also play the NFC East this year, which is not at all a strong division by any means. So as I was going through, I just kept clicking win, win, win for the Colts. There was a tough game in there against the Chargers, a tough game in there against the Broncos and the Chiefs. So they do have to play the AFC West. But in my scenario, the Bills are the two seed. Um, so Luca, I know you have some, uh, end of season stuff you want to talk about. Do any bills players get any notable end of season awards in your projection?
1: I will first start and say, Sean McDermott will be a coach of the year candidate. He's we're the one seed in the league, uh, let alone the AFC. He will be there. And this is, I mean, this is just like homerism. I feel like, but if we find ourselves in a 14 and three season with one of those losses kind of being a throwaway. We are the one seed in the NFL slash AFC. You bet your ass that number 17 most likely has done a lot to get us to that point, and he's probably the league MVP. Um, I do think that uh, I think it's Dan Patrick always likes to say what he knows and the people he knows that have the votes. They love a story. They love whatever it may be. They like the new thing, the next thing, things of that nature. And he made a great point on one of the most recent episodes. This is kind of it for Josh Allen. Feels weird to say, but Josh Allen's kind of been in that conversation and he's got to either do it now or he might be one of those guys who never gets an MVP or maybe has to wait until late in his career to really kind of have that bounce back resurgence to get an MVP, not to his discredit, but mainly because the people who vote on that kind of thing want a story. They want someone they can really get behind because maybe they came out of nowhere, like a Trey Lance just to throw out a name or whatever it may be that kind of flash something. Look at Mahomes, his first starting year, full season. He wins MVP because he was electric. He was amazing. Lamar, the following season came out of nowhere, like a just shot out of a cannon was electric. Everyone remembers that year, so on and so forth. That's kind of what they look for. They don't want to just go for the same old thing. It's funny saying that because they've gone back to back years with Aaron Rodgers, but it's kind of that late career resurgence for Rodgers and he's put up these unbelievable numbers and it makes a lot of sense when it comes to that quote unquote story. So um, yeah, there's that you brought up the league or the AFC perspective of things. I'm going to use this platform real quick. As you mentioned, you had the Colts as the one seed at 15 and two. Obviously here, I have the bills at 14 and three in my situation, a very interesting thing happened. There was a big bottleneck in the AFC. The AFC is going to be very, very interesting And a team that I feel like not anyone talks about. And I just want to mention them because I know I've talked to you a lot about this team off air and I just want to keep beating that drum. Do not sleep on those Las Vegas Raiders. Do not let them go under the radar on you. They are a very solid team. People point at all their deficiencies, but they kind of have an answer to cover up or have solved that deficiency. It's very impressive what they've done out there. They have a fresh face at coach, and they were, remember, a playoff team with all the crap going on around their organization last season. They can be a very, very good team this year they are technically the team that I had a two seed at 12 and five going along with the Ravens and Colts at also 12 and five. So it's a very interesting year this year. Um, I find it that you have the teams that will make the playoffs. Uh, The AFC is pretty deep, but still eventually there's going to be a big fall off there. Um, I will also say this. I know you're pretty low on the Titans, I have this weird feeling that the Titans are going to be that team that early on gets really beaten up because I agree with you. They're not as good as they have been and they've definitely regressed. I think that Varable will punt on Tannehill very quick. And I do think late season, we will see a Malik Willis led Titans that will buy them five wins out of nowhere, something of that nature. And they will, they're going to be scary coming up. I'm a big Malik Willis guy. He has shown everything in the preseason that he will be a guy. He was very, very impressive. This preseason finale against the Cardinals. Um, he's, a, he's a dog, he's a guy and he could get them some wins where maybe you at that point didn't expect them to, because he is definitely a great talent and, uh, just something to watch out for. Uh, so maybe that's where, uh, like I'm saying where I'm bringing this is like the Colts, you know, they're going to play them later in the season. I believe it is once, um, that could be a problem for them. They're not expecting a Malik Willis and all of a sudden Malik Willis steals a win for the Titans, things like that. It's going to be a fun year. This was a great exercise. I, you know, I'm not trying to wrap it up here, but it was a great, great exercise. Uh, but yeah, I'm very, very excited as, uh, you know, now that we can talk about it here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 win streak for the Buffalo Bills, that late season stretch. Boy, will that be
0: a fun journey if that actually comes to fruition. It would be amazing. It'd be a fun ride to be on. And I will say one thing about you saying McDermott will not win coach of the year. I don't think he has a path to win coach of the year. Bill Belichick has won coach of the year three times in his career. And he made the playoffs almost every year in new England from 2000, excuse me, 2001 to present. There was obviously a couple of years, you know, one year where Brady got hurt. And then there was the first year that Brady wasn't there and Cam Newton was a starter. And along the way, he won six Super Bowls. He won coach of the year three times. Coach of the year does not go to the betting favorite who comes through on the predictions we all had for them. The last few coaches of the year, last year, Mike Vrabel, the year before that, Kevin Stefanski, John Harbaugh with the Ravens, Matt Nagy with the Bears. Coach of the year is the team that rises up above your expectations and plays over what you predicted them to do? In Lucas' scenario, I think Josh McDaniels wins Coach of the Year. A Raiders team that people were talking about—the Chiefs and the Chargers—and oh, the Broncos—they get um, Russell Wilson, and all of a sudden, Josh McDaniels takes the Raiders to the second round of the playoffs. I think that's a guy that could win Coach of the Year. In my scenario, I, th- I think it could be uh, Nick Sirianni. I have the Eagles going pretty deep into the playoffs in my scenario. Luca, we don't need to go through these playoff rounds. Um, just, I guess we can say, did you have the Bills winning the Super Bowl? And uh, what was their playoff path if you did? And if you didn't, who who knocked them out?
1: Uh, I have way too much money at this point on the Bills to win the Super Bowl that I can't fathom me picking against them in any scenario. We have discussed how I have personal bets on it. I have it in sports books, So, yes, I have the Bills winning the Super Bowl because I'm just too damn invested in that pick at this point. Um, I do have them. In the magical or whatever you want to call it scenario of playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, I know they have some offensive line questions now with some injuries that have popped up. But overall, they're a very good team. They're, they're a hungry team after kind of a disappointing year last year for their standards. And um, yeah, I, I, I see a Bills, Bucks, Allen versus Brady one last time if you want to call it that in the Super Bowl, in Arizona, come February next year.
0: Oh, man, what a game that would be. Oh, boy. Okay, picture it with me. Bills are in victory formation. Josh Allen takes a knee. The camera pans over to Sean McDermott. Von Miller and Ed Oliver are dunking the Gatorade on his helmet, on his head. They show Josh Allen hugging Diggs. They're all going nuts. They pan over to Tom Brady who's walking off the field slowly looking back taking it all in and the announcers are saying is this the last time that Brady walks off a of field before Ugh. going into for the first time ever the Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl champions what a chef's kiss i mean Ugh. that's the kind of moment that makes the 17 year drought worth it that's a oh, that's yeah. a movie
1: that's it's it is. Yeah, it's cinematic. It's a movie. It's it makes the the four Super Bowls. It makes everything the drought, all of it. Just wrap it all together. Wrap the history of the bills together and just put it in that moment. Holy, that's the one that actually gets this town uh, bump in that night. That's that's the one that really uh, stokes the flames, whether that's figuratively or literal. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that would be, that moment would be magical.
0: Let me run this scenario by you. This is what happened in my playoff bracket. I want to see what you think. So the bills, win their first round playoff matchup against the dolphins, great, they're going to dominate them second round. The bills win. I think I had them beating the Ravens. So the bills, let's say the bills win their second round matchup on Saturday. So, you know, going into Sunday, the bills are going to be in the AFC title game. The other AFC game is the number one seed Colts hosting the number four seed Chiefs. The Bills are the number two seed, Luca. So if the Colts win, the Bills play the Colts in Indy. If the Chiefs win, the Bills get to deal with Mahomes and Andy Reid again, but this time it's in Buffalo. Who would you be rooting for in that scenario?
1: I don't know if this is surprising to you or not, but I would be rooting for the Chiefs. Um, the first thing that I always look at is what allows us to play at home. And let me bring it back here. We've we've discussed early on as uh, our first episode, I believe, how my fandom early in my childhood and stuff kind of was linked to Larry Fitzgerald and how I was a big Cardinals guy. And there was a year where the Cardinals made the Super Bowl and they went to Carolina to beat Carolina. Uh, no one expected that. And I was watching that next day, kind of in this exact scenario. There was a wild card. The Cardinals were a four seed. Mm-hmm. They were a wild card team in that Sunday game. It was Giants, Eagles. Obviously, at that point, I'm just like so ecstatic that the Cardinals are still alive and going to an NFC championship game. But there was a reality where they were hosting the NFC championship game. And I, re, you know, this is not, you know, apples to apples. But it's like, holy crap, there's a scenario we're hosting. I'm not even caring who the opponent is. It's not Donovan McNabb, Andy Reid, and all of that crew. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking there's a scenario where the Cardinals get to play as a four seed in this scenario, a home championship game to go to the Super Bowl. Why in the world would I not want that? I'm not obviously saying this is apples to apples. But now if you pull it to here, I understand the fear of the Chiefs or the... I don't want to face Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs again in an AFC championship game. We know how it went last time, but we're at home. They got to come up to Buffalo. The weather's going to be a lot different up here than it is down there in Kansas City. I know it gets kind of cold in Kansas City. I understand that, but it's a whole different animal here in Western New York. And if you could, you know, sign something away that told me the Bills are hosting the Chiefs in the AFC championship game right now, guaranteed. No matter the path, I am signing up for
0: it. I oh, do yeah. not care. abso fucking Luca. God, Mrs. Luca, he yeah. is out of control. I had the Bills beating the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game and then knocking off the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. Ooh, Lu- Packers. Luca, the thing that I will tell you about the Bills playing the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game is there is a team – from NFL history that I have told you offline that I compare the Bills to their their path, their trajectory they are on. And at one point in time, they kept getting knocked off by the same team multiple years in a row. And it wasn't until that team got that opponent in their own building that they finally got over the hump, made it to the Super Bowl, and won the Super Bowl. And we will get into that next week when we talk about the Bills and the season coming up, I am looking forward so much to next week, Luca. This, this episode is going to be so much fun that I don't think you and I can handle it by ourselves. We're going to reach out to our Bills chat friend, Stokes. We're going to have ourselves a Buffalo Bills roundtable. And we're just going to talk about how we're feeling. At this point in time when we record next week, we are going to be four days out. From the opener. The opener to the biggest season that any of us as Bills fans have ever experienced. And if you're of a certain age, you were here when football seasons meant nothing. Or you were here when it was a foregone conclusion they had no chance to win their division and you just hoped by some grace of God they could sneak in as a wild card. We're embarking on a season where our Buffalo Bills are the betting favorite to win the whole Super Bowl. And we're just going to talk about what we're feeling. We're going to share some memories. We're going to talk about moments in the past where maybe we believe the team was good and they fooled us. We're going to talk about situations where they drafted players that we were like, oh, this guy's going to be great, and they let us down. We are going to have the essence of what Bill's chat is. It's going to be a roundtable of Bill's fan friends sitting around a table, sharing memories, talking about how we're feeling and we're going to get through it together as we will be embarking on the most exciting season, hopefully of our lives. And Luca, I know you can't look, I know you can't wait for this.
1: I'm pumped. This season could not start any sooner. I'm excited for our episode next week. I will say, I don't want to overlook our episode. It's going to be fun to just have a round table, kind of having another face or voice in this case, around just to kind of discuss everything as you put it it, you couldn't have done it any better this is the biggest season of our fandom lives this is like i don't know how you're gonna manage the family situation when every sunday or whatever day we are playing on is game day like holy shit like i will be bunkered in the emotions will be very very high hopefully not low and um it's gonna be if, if our projections, you know, to come back and wrap it up here, if our projections, we go on this 10-game win streak and all that kind of stuff, the, the anxiety and the excitement and stuff, imagine a 10-game win streak and you're realizing that the 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 hopes that we have now and everything of that nature and, and being the betting favorite and all that, you know, we're going to discuss this more next week. But all of a sudden, you have that 10-game win streak. You locked up the one seed, and we're going to be sitting there come New Year realizing that we will – it seems to be happening. It's, it's the one seed. It's everything we have. It's all in front of us. It's laid out perfectly. Oh my God. So excited. You know, I don't want to ramble on here. I'm very, very excited for our episode next week to kind of let this all pour out, you know, just to kind of have a round table puke will call it, mm-hmm. you know, just get it all out there with the season, just right around the corner. And um, yeah, this is going to be whew, season. Yeah. When everyone's listening to this 10 days away, 10 days away from kickoff holy well I actually it's midnight where I'm at right now so it's 10 days away Josh it's exciting
0: I'm excited too I can't wait to get into it we will obviously still preview the Bills Rams game we'll get into some matchups we like there don't forget this week we do have the Bills trimming down to their 53 man roster so We would like it for you to keep it right here on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. We will be covering all Bill's news. We assume at some point that we'll be naming a new punter. We will be all over the 53-man roster cutdowns, and we will be getting you ready for the opening game of the season. And Luca and I and Stokes will be back next week on Bill's Chat.